0: I'm Charles Kirsch, host of Backstage Babble, and this is one of the most exciting nights of my life, and hopefully yours too. And what I'm talking about, of course, is the 50th anniversary reunion panel of the groundbreaking musical Follies that you are all here to see. As the New York Times critic Frank Rich said about a very different show, from now on there will always be two groups of theatre-goers in this world, those who have seen Follies and those who have not, those who did always have a special glow whenever they mention the experience. Those who haven't will forever be envious of those who did. And on April 4th, 1971, this show that would become a phenomenon after playing 12 previews officially opened to audiences and critics for the first time, the show then ran for 522 performances, closing in July of 1972. Many revivals and other productions have taken place since then, yet none are spoken about with quite the same reverence as the original. It changed the lives of everyone who saw it, it's fair to say, and tonight we have a very special treat for everyone in addition to the panel, which is that we will be showing rarely if ever before seen footage of the original Broadway cast, including Who's That Woman, said to be the greatest production number of all time. But without further ado, I think you'll want to meet the panel of distinguished guests from the cast and creative team of the original production, and they'll turn on their videos as I say their names, and then we can jump right in. Um, First, we have Mary Jane Houdina. Mary Jane played young Hattie and assisted my Michael Bennett in the original production. And among her other Broadway credits are I'm Solomon, Annie, Moose Murders. That was the show, by the way, that Frank Rich was actually referring to in that quote Into the Light, Rock by Hamlet, and more. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Next we have the show's casting director, Joanna Merlin. Some might also know that name from your worn out CDs of Fiddler on the Roof. And yes, this is the same (laughs) Joanna Merlin who played Seidel in that original (laughs) production. She also cast Into the Woods, Evita, Sweeney Todd on the 20th Century Company and more. Hi.
1: Thank you so much. Lovely to be Uh here.
0: So next we have Susan L. Shulman, the press agent of Follies. So the reason that you heard about the original production, if you were around then, was probably her. Her other credits as publicist include State Fair, Company, Applause, Dancing, Crazy For You, and more. Thank you for being here. Hi, Charles. We have two of the younger versions of the four main characters. First, the legendary Kurt Peterson, who you may know from West Side Story at City Center, Dear World, producing Sondheim, a musical tribute and more. And he, of course, originated the role of young Ben in Follies. Hi.
2: Hi, Charles. Great to be here. Great to to be here with my colleagues and friends.
0: Thank you. Thank you for being here. So, Although they may not have ended up together within the show, we also have Marty Rolfe here, who you may remember from her wonderful wonderful performance as young Sally. Broadway patrons will also remember her from Good News and as Top Tim in The King and I on Tour and in The Benefits, Children and Art and Sondheim, A Musical Tribute. Thank you.
3: Good morning. Good afternoon. Hi. Nice to see you,
0: Charles. Thank you. So next, the man who, as I like to say, literally wrote the book on follies, none other than Ted Chapin, who also served as the production assistant. He played the same role on the Rothschilds, Two by Two, and More. Assistant directed the Sunshine Boys, and now is the president of the Rodgers and Hammerstein Organization.
4: Great to be here. Good to see everybody.
0: Thank you so. And lastly, but certainly not least, we have Michael Mesita, young Vincent from the show, who's taken a break from dancing the Bolero de Amor to be with us here today. His other credits include Equus, Applause, and The Fig Leaves Are Falling. (laughs) Hello,
5: Mike. Hi. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you for being here. So without further ado, I want to get to my first question, which is for those of you who haven't said so already, how did your first involvement with Follies come to be either through an audition or? I went to the audition.
6: Audition was in the paper and I got my tap shoes and my shoes and got my best dress and went and danced for all day (laughs) and got called back, sang my song. I think we I think we came back twice I don't remember but I remember we were there for a long time and um and that's how I got the job Michael hired me and along with Michael and the other dancers and we set off on our journey yeah so that's how I started
3: I I auditioned in Los Angeles I was actually thought I was auditioning for a a tour of company um, um <laughs> tour of company and uh and ended up in Follies after I, I just had I my my I had a funny I every job I got seemed like a funny audition a weird audition because I, I don't know if you remember in the Follies it was pouring rain in LA I forget what theater we were at we were auditioning at it was pouring rain and they were hours behind and my accompanist had to leave and it was just the oddest sang and then Hal came down and said would you um, sing do you have any Rodgers and Hammerstein and I picked up I had a whole big pile of music and I said well pick something <laughs> and he picked. what's the use of wondering and he said I don't want you to I don't want you to play the song I want you to sell it to the balcony he said, "I don't. You don't worry about what the song means. Just sell it to the balcony." So I sold sold it to the balcony. <laughs> he was like a idiot. <laughs> what? I was you, was so <laughs> yeah. and, and then Michael Bennett said, "said Can you tap dance?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah." And he said, "Show me a time step." I did a time step. It was one of the two steps I actually knew. And I did that. Anyway, and Hal said, well, you'll be hearing from us. And I kind of said, well, yeah, right. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, And walked out and went home. And my then husband said, what'd you do today, dear? And I told him and he said, do you know who that is? Oh my gosh. (laughs) And then I was just like, no, I was really naive and stupid, basically. (laughs) So, So that was it. And I got called two weeks later. I had to go to New York. It was amazing. Well,
2: naive got us cast.
3: <laughs> what?
2: Naive got us cast. Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe.
3: Oh, maybe. <laughs> well, Hal told me later that when I walked out on the stage, he said, that's Dorothy. Or I was very similar to Dorothy. Yeah. So yeah. he told me that later, like months and months later. So I don't know. Here I am. Yeah.
1: It was hard. It was hard finding finding four young people who could be who could replicate the older uh, actors. It was yeah. it was quite a yeah. search. So yeah. we were very happy to have you, Marty. Thank you.
3: Well, I was very happy to be had. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. You know, it's, yeah,
1: it's interesting that that when I first started casting um, at that time in Equity there were equity principal interviews, you couldn't audition anybody, you just had to talk to them for three minutes. And, and suddenly these older women in their 70s, turned up, because they had been Follies girls in the 20s or 30s. Oh
3: my gosh!
1: And, and so and I had all these conversations with these older women and it it was kind of heartbreaking because they brought their headshots from when they oh. were all these girls. Oh wow!
3: So, yeah.
7: And um,
1: but it was it was really an interesting experience, and a lot of them were you know hadn't worked for so many years, and and were kind of expecting that they might get another job. So oh. it, was, it was sad, but um, uh, but it was an interesting experience for me. Yeah.
3: I, so I remember. Just one quick. I remember when I was so scared to be in New York by myself. And I remember Mary Jane actually was one. They handed me a card and said, you have to go to Barbara Peteris. You have to go for a costume fitting. And I went in the bathroom and cried because I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know where it was. And they gave me the address and I had no idea how to get there. And Mary Jane's the <laughs> one who, who told me to, how to get that, what yeah. train to take and how to get there. You know, there. I remember
6: that. You were hysterical.
3: I was. I was. I was like, and then I had to come back. I had to get back.
1: (laughs) Follies was the first show that I cast from the get-go for Hell. I had started in the middle of casting company, and um, most of the principals had been cast. So Follies was the first um, total casting that I did, and it was pretty intimidating uh looking for all those movie stars um and there were no computers no internet uh everything was done by phone and uh snail mail wow it was it was quite an experience but it was incredibly exciting to see the show begin to form as as the cast sort of came together and um, it was just a great start
2: Well, I happen to have a, a page tw- 25 in Ted Shapen's book, who told the story. <laughs> Three people came into audition. <laughs> Fortunately for me, uh, uh, John Cypher, who was originally going to play older Ben, uh, decided or, or you know, didn't end up doing it, and they hired John McMartin, and so they had to change the young, young person, or at least find a young person. I don't know if they even had one but Joanna Merlin brought me in. Thank you Joanna, you changed my life for that call. Uh, he reads some scenes with the stage manager and see, everyone seems pleased. John Martin is summoned, John McMartin was summoned to see what they would look like together since they'd be playing the same person at different ages. Well, said Hal, it looks over the years the nose has changed shape a bit, but we can play with some putty. John asked if he could him say, "No, well, it's fine, okay. Kurt chats, then fills the room with his large voice and lonely town, and everyone is pleased. He stands there smiling with his hands in his peacoat, looking somewhat sheepish. When asked how old he is, he says, 22, 23 in February, to which Hal replies, no, I didn't hear that. You are 22. (laughs) Kurt is somewhat dumbstruck. Well, says Hal, I hope to see you in rehearsal. Kurt says, thank you very much. Then Kurt beats his pace to retreat, And as he leaves, a toothbrush falls from his pocket. So I was called and it was after an all night party and I would just sort of, you know, staggered into the room and luck would have it. I, I was cast as Young Ben and Follies and it changed
4: all my life. <laughs> what an amazing detail in that book. I mean, <laughs> thank you, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. Um, I, I said to somebody, you know, after all the celebration of the 50th anniversary, my royalties may go up to $10. It'll be really good. <laughs> um, I completely talked my way into Follies. Um, There's no question about it. I had seen company, it had completely blown my mind. And um, as a precursor to what Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote, I wanted to be in the room where it happened. I knew these guys were doing this show the next year. And I talked Hal Princeton to letting me observe it. And I talked the college I was going to into letting me observe it, overstating it on both sides a little bit. Um, but I finally, Ruthie Mitchell said, OK, I guess if Hal says it, it's OK. And I showed up on the second day of rehearsal. And, and for me, and I, I said this in the book, you know, luckily it was so over budget that they didn't really have a lot of staff people, so I became a production assistant, which is part of why, you know, I got to know the cast more, because I I had a position to be there. I wasn't just sitting there looking and taking notes. Although if I said that putty, I would have that would have been in the notes that I wrote that day, because I did say I don't want to pretend I remember what people said 30 years ago.
6: <laughs> I remember when you said to me though, we were sitting next to each other watching, I think the mirror number, and you said, you know, I'm gonna write a book about
4: this. Oh no, that was Larry Cohen who was gonna write a book. Actually, I was not. I, I, I was just you taking.
6: You were going to do that. No, I had no, I no interest in that. No.
4: I was writing a report for school. Maybe I said that. Maybe, um, maybe that's what you said. But, but uh, I remember
6: yeah. you were gonna write something. Well,
4: yeah, okay. And when you I, called I, me call a of years later, I'm
6: like, <laughs> oh, he said it.
5: <laughs> I don't I don't recall great. the auditions. I only recall uh, when they asked all the boys to dance with Graziella, they wanted to find a partner for her, and I remember that rather vividly. We each uh, worked with her, and I was fortunate to my family that my mother taught me to dance with a woman, and uh, I danced with my sister for many years. So I felt very comfortable with her. We we fit like a glove. I mean, she was terrific. Oh, you so, were but I don't remember the other uh, part of the audition at all. Hmm.
8: I'm honored to be in such good company. I didn't audition for this, but my first big job in the theater as a press agent was applause. And I was on applause because Lauren Bacall announced to the producers that the only person she would talk to in the Bill Dahl office was me. Oh, wow. So at 22 or 23, I wound up handling what was then the biggest show on Broadway. And my next big job was working with as Mary Bryant's associate on Follies and Company, So I kind of went from, you know, one magic show to two magic shows. And it was uh, probably the best part of it was that I could go to both shows anytime I wanted. Uh, So I saw (laughs) a lot. So I know all of you very well, although you don't. That's amazing.
0: Well, I'm sure that David Byrd's logo didn't hurt this, but I do want to ask you, Susan, how you found the sort of key to selling this show
8: uh well i wasn't there when they picked that (laughs) logo believe me it's fabulous um the thing that i remember most about working on follies was how diverse the response was either people loved it or hated it and it was it was so extreme you know either they got it or they didn't get you know when when loveland started some people were just transfixed and other people would leave. I mean, they just didn't know what the hell was going on. And it was fascinating because when you would, when we would pitch stories, we never really knew what the response was going to be from the press because either people were euphoric and said, oh my God, yes, I'll talk to anybody in the company. I thought it was fabulous or they would say, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. Um, It was really interesting. The, The other thing that was very interesting to me was that This show was supposed to be starring Dorothy Collins. She was supposed to be the focus. And from what I understand, it started when Hal did She Loves Me. And it was evidently down to, and Joanna, maybe you know this more than I, what I've heard and read was that it was between Dorothy Collins and Barbara Cook for the lead in She Loves Me. Mm -hmm. And supposedly Hal Prince flipped a coin or whatever, but he decided on Barbara Cook. And he said to Dorothy Collins, I promise you, I will, have a sh- I will do a show for you. And Follies was the show. And so what was really interesting was that it started out, as I understand it, to be about Dorothy's character. And somewhere along the way, it morphed into something else. And even though she wasn't the star star the way I think she probably thought she would, she always said it was the cherry on the cake for the, this show that it was such a happy time for her. And she was so grateful that she didn't, she she never minded the fact that she was, uh, got a little bit short shrift, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she was really mostly known for being on the hit parade.
8: Yes. Yeah. You
1: know, that's how I knew her. We used yes. to listen to the hit parade all the time. Um, but I think as the show was so important to her as an actress, yes. uh, as well as a singer. And of course, losing my mind was just, just blew everybody away. I mean, it was, uh, it, it, I still have the image of her singing it and it's such a gorgeous song. So I think she was really very happy. I don't think she was unhappy.
2: Yeah. I have something called the red dress theory. Yes,
1: yes, uh, yes.
2: You know, and, uh, and Alexis of course was, was tall and statuesque and had the red dress and all of her, you know, but I, I, I agree, Dorothy's performance in that, and I think so many people who, who ever saw it, I think it was one of the finest performances ever, ever and certainly the best sound ever. Ep- and she was
1: nominated ever. for Tony um, for it. Alexis won, yes, but, yeah, but yeah. You know, I think that was a yeah. great honor.
4: And when yeah. I was doing the book, Harvey Evans told me a wonderful story, which I think I put in there that apparently years later, both Alexis and Dorothy were invited to see a production of Follies in Houston. Mm-hmm. And, and it had an intermission at that point, and in the intermission, Alexis took Dorothy by the hand and pulled her into the ladies room where no one was there, and looked right at her and said, until tonight, I had no idea how brilliant you were in the original production.
9: Direct
10: from Phoenix live and in person, Sally Durant, here she is at last. of course it's me. You came, you're here. Oh, and look at you. <laughs> I want to hug you, but I can't. You're like a queen. You're like Jackie Kennedy. Oh, what a thing to say. I'm talking silly. Well, if you can't, I can.
9: <laughs> it's just that out
10: in Phoenix. Nothing like this ever happens. I don't think I've slept in days. I'm so excited. Sally, you look just as cute as ever. Me? I'm a mess. I've got a tummy. My hair is too bleached. Oh, who cares? New York's all changed. I couldn't even find the theater tonight and this afternoon when I walked past 44th and 3rd. Oh, Phil, it wasn't there. It wasn't our apartment where we lived. Don't you remember five flights up? I did the cleaning and you cooked. Baked beans and peanut butter sandwiches. You never made the beds. (laughs) I still don't. Remember that awful bathtub in the kitchen? And the racket when the L went by. You know, I think I loved it. You were homesick and you cried a lot. Oh, but we had fun. (laughs) You married Buddy, didn't you? He always liked you, Bill. I always liked him, too. And you married? Ben, I know. I read about you in the magazines. I even saw your living room in Vogue. It's has It's Ben in Europe. Oh no, he's not with the UN anymore. He's here now. Tonight, Phil, would you tell me something? If I can. <laughs>
4: Um, but yeah. I just think it's kind of cool because it's like, yeah, Alexis came in from Hollywood. Nobody really gave her the time of day. You know, she was a, you know, a, a grade B or C um, actress. She used to say that there was a, a list of people that she would know if it was offered that this person didn't get it, this person didn't take it, then they would get to her. And she, it just was a, 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 the right role at the right time. And she had all the, all the stat, the sort of statues chilliness and yet, yeah, you know, she was great. Yeah.
3: I, I, didn't didn't realize, she dance? <laughs> I didn't realize how brilliant Dorothy was. I mean, I knew she was, but I didn't know how much until the, she was out one night, I think she was out one time. And um, I forget, Jan Clayton or somebody did the role and, and yep. it was just a different show. It was weird, it was weird. She was brilliant, she was brilliant. She
6: was wonderful, just wonderful.
3: Yeah, and a nice yep. person too.
6: Yeah. You know, she, uh, Joey Tubins,
5: that was Alexis's hairdresser, She ha- he had a lot to do with grooming her.
7: Mm-hmm. He
5: groomed her about the way she dressed, the way she walked. He wanted her to be the star of the show. And he would say that all the time. And so everything he did for her was so that she would stand out more and more, even offstage after the show and whatnot, to mm-hmm. become more of the star of the show. Uh, I didn't consider that necessarily a bad thing because I adored Dorothy and really kind of thought of... Uh, Dorothy and Yvonne and Alexis as being the stars of the show.
2: I got this from Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> opening night. Uh-huh. I played sailors uh-huh. in my musical. Oh, uh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. I think, I, I, think a, we, I think we all got this. Was I still, still
1: have yes. I still yep. have my opening night, yep.
2: Yep.
6: yep. You know, when they say that uh-huh. she'll give you the coat off her back, she yeah. really would. She wore yeah. her white mink in one one night and i was talking to her about something she said oh here she said would you like to borrow this she took it off her body and gave it to me i said "Oh, no 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 i couldn't possibly do that she was just besides being brilliant she was just a
1: wonderful person yeah i loved her i have a history with ivanda carlo we were sisters in the ten commandments she was she was the leading lady and oh. I, there were seven sisters, so I was one of them. Oh, my. And, um, <laughs> but we did work together. And uh, the first day on set, uh, the six sisters were uh, at, the ha- at the well of Midian. Um, and um, they had dressed us in these very faded costumes to make us look biblical and um, lots of jewelry we were the daughters of the sheikhs, Jethro. Um, and uh, Yvonne walked on stage, uh, on the stage of the sound stage, and she was wearing this very simple white dress with leather bands around her wrists and a, a leather band in her hair looking gorgeous. And she took a look at us and said, you look like the old Yvonne De Carlo." She had just been doing all these exotic parts and movies and stuff. And she was actually wonderful in the Ten Commandments. Uh, I think it was a big big change for her in her career because it was a very serious dramatic role and she actually was wonderful.
6: Amazing. I heard her tell somebody one time. She said uh, she was in conversation, and she said, "Oh, I was Moses' wife, and the Ten Commandments it certainly was. Yeah, because she couldn't be better than think... Moses, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was Moses' wife," she <laughs> said. <So. coughs> I liked them all. I liked to hear all their stories. And Mary McCarty would tell stories. I I wound up sitting there. I I felt like a I, well, I was still pretty young, but I would listen to these stories fly back and forth, and I would just sit there and listen, you know. I
5: did the same. <laughs>
6: yeah, I, did the I same just loved it.
5: They, they would get together uh, in between rehearsals, and they'd all sit there and uh, yeah. and just mm-hmm. chat about how Broadway used to be, yep. and how they used to do this and that. And Ethel told a story about how she would, she'd perform in several theaters a night. Mm-hmm. and a car would pick her up to take her to the next theater to perform, and then it would pick her up take to take the next yeah. theater to perform. Yeah. I never said anything. I just sort of sat there listening. Yeah. Michael, and listened.
8: Michael, didn't you say you used to stand behind the curtain every night when Dorothy sang uh, Losing My Mind?
5: I did, almost every night. I missed a couple, but uh, uh, we sort of had this thing. I don't remember how it really came about, but I think in the beginning she was a little nervous about the song when we were out of town, and I said, I'm gonna stand behind the curtain and just listen to you because I love this song and the way you do it. And it became something we did a lot. And sometimes she would say, uh, Michael, are you gonna be back there? And I'd go, yeah, yeah, I'll be back there. you know. So it just became a little bit of a thing that the two of us had together that we would do.
4: Michael, I have to say that, that you were on my list of I don't know how to get a hold of him when I wrote the book. I think uh, I asked Gra- Grazzi, and, and she and she said, "I don't know where he is." And to
5: be quite honest with you, I never thought much about Follies after the show was over, and I was on to other things, until uh, I think it was until Facebook, and I began to see uh, that a, a lot of people on that site know much more than I do about Follies. It's true. I don't know. We yeah, were we were true. kind of just in it, and so yeah. they say, "Well, what kind of shoes did so and so wear before she changed?" Uh, and I'm mean, like, "I have no idea." I whoever thought of that and, you know I didn't know but I, I learned more from the people on it than uh, myself speaking about it yeah
6: that yeah. that company that was in Houston uh, that Harvey was talking about I choreographed it and um, the first day of rehearsal I walked in and this young man came up to me and just looked at me and said Sonia Levkova and I said how do you know that because she was the older woman who swung the older women, the character ladies, you know? And you wouldn't know that unless you really were involved, you know? And this guy knew everything. And that's when I realized how it was really becoming a cult, the show. People loved loved it, knew everything about it. No, who else would know that name? Sonia Levkova. Yeah. I often wondered what happened to her because she was pretty old then, you know? I'm sorry that I didn't stay in touch with her because she used to call me her teacher because I taught her the mirror number, you know, yeah. and, uh, and she was this little Russian lady that and she practiced every day, and she must have been 108 then, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but when that fella came up to me, in fact, when all this started coming out about the 50th anniversary, this, this young man just put on on messenger, he said, hi, Sonia Levkova. <laughs> and I, said, and I, I said to him you know when you said that to me that day it took me by surprise it really did because I thought how does he know that? and I said to him how do you know that you know it's just that people that love the show know everything about the show oh, yeah, yeah. That's
4: true. They and have they have to be corrected questions. every now and then they have to be corrected but that's what we're yeah, here for
6: yeah but you know <laughs> like somebody, somebody said no did all of the ghosts in the opening mouth the songs and I thought no they didn't you know it was something I did but the other girls didn't do that we so did four of was, us did you did right did the, you too? The,
3: yeah the four in the opening yeah the yes opening. Yeah. yeah
6: yeah yeah but th- i knew that the other girls hadn't but i didn't remember if you guys did or not
3: we did but uh opening night on uh of the first preview they i they said you know places you know it's time to go and i didn't have a costume and i right. went down and they were in i went to the basement and they were sewing it together <laughs> So I was half sewn when I went. They were half sewn and many pins. Oh,
6: God, weren't those costumes gorgeous? Uh, they were. You know, for me as a dancer, and I, I had done three Broadway shows before that already. I that show to me though was to me what I thought. I was going to always do, it was a real Broadway yeah. show, you know, yeah. and opening night, I think everybody felt this way, everybody felt like something important was happening, everybody yeah. in the dressing room had a dozen roses from somebody, you know, you could barely see from the tchotchkes on the mirror, Broadway show should be, I think I right? was too busy
5: worrying I... about that great stage,
6: stage, and oh, hoping yeah. that I
5: don't, we both of us don't fall into the pit,
6: yeah, yeah. you and know I... that the the first time I went on, because Michael and I said before, we tapped in the basement, five of us, but if a girl was sick, I would go in, and the fr- I never had a fitting. I had to wear that girl's costume, and the costumes, how, how heavy were they? I don't remember exactly, but they it were like 35 pounds, 45 pounds.
3: 20 pounds 35 I think
6: 35 that's what I thought You're well having... you know no I never had this costume on and they pinned me into the costume and in the circle going around we <laughs> the girls spun away from the circle my particular spot that night I spun down stage and you know that costume kept spinning and I thought oh my god I'm going in the pit who thinks so of that you know I actually <laughs> had the presence of mind to grab the bottom of the skirt and I pushed it back so I could turn up stage because of that rake and yeah. we flat it wouldn't have been wow. so bad but I really thought I was going in the pit. Yeah, I know those things were heavy. They were heavy. And when you turned, they—you were right. They did—they turned more they than kept going. Though. Yeah, they, they would—they would stop. And I didn't know that because I had never had it on. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Didn't one night? Didn't you get caught in your beads? Oh, the beads, the those things, the beads
3: yes. in the helmets,
6: <laughs> and they kept break. R- and then they right. would
3: tinkle, tinkle down into the into the uh, hitting the, the drum pit in the orchestra. They were dropping on everybody.
6: Yeah, they so. were something, but that rake too, it, the rake itself, it, it, you kind of had totally stand cockeyed. You know, If you were on the bottom rake, like when we did Lucy and Jesse, mm-hmm. you and Michael, you mentioned this on Facebook the other day about being on the top. Remember when we first started it, I was on the top. He put the smallest one on top and then he flipped it. When that first time we did it and the curtain opened, I felt like I had forgotten my pants because, you know, you can't sell something if you make a mistake, if you're not facing the audience. Right. (laughs) It was the most weird experience. I felt like I had forgotten something.
5: Well, you felt completely alone when you were up there. Yes. You couldn't watch anybody. So those mirror things I had on the wall were... so strange you looked weird you felt like you were in a dream or something so it was very hard to keep your concentration and do everything right because you're at the top yeah. and everybody else yep. is behind you I would have given anything to keep you up there
6: <laughs> and, and one put night me
5: down somewhere else and,
6: and one night Michael changed some of the choreography I don't remember exactly how this was because he hadn't flipped us yet and we hadn't changed the number but he, he fixed something and I made him a little mistake and obviously three or four people were following me because I heard like four s words behind me because <laughs> <laughs> they had followed me and then realized that they had done it wrong as well <laughs> so it is you're right it's a totally different perspective to being on the floor of being at that top yeah. you know but it was a brilliant move because you looked like you were 20 feet tall up there
5: i yeah. kind of felt like i was 20 feet tall <laughs> yeah. Or yeah
6: yeah
3: now i started the mirror number on the highest rake but facing upstage, and that yeah. was an experience. That was yeah, that was crazy. But
1: we, we got you know, it. one of the most exciting auditions was Ethel Chate. Oh. who did oh. my baby. You I know, bet. who didn't see the show have have heard the song sung by so many other people, like Elaine Stritch, and and often just brilliantly, but. Ethel Chate is my favorite. I mean, when yeah. she when she did that audition, it was so authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a lady. She was in her mm-hmm. 70s. I think she was yeah. 74,
6: Ted. But she was 74. Yeah. She, I think so. Yeah. But she had her 75th birthday while we were doing the show. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And she was, she was so before. excited. You know, she brought so much of her own life to that mm-hmm. show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she so did. it was, it was, um, you know, all of us who were watching just kind of were bre- were, were breathless because it was so perfect.
9: Tonight, wow. 42nd Street to be in a show. In the dark from Battery Park, well up to Washington night. Someday, maybe, all my dreams will be repaid and plays a to be in a show. Producer, yeah! I'm talking to you, sir. I don't need a lot. Only what I've got. Plus a tube of grease paint and a follow spot. I'm just a Broadway baby. Slavin' at the five and ten. ten! Waiting for that great day when I'll be in a show, Broadway baby, making rounds all afternoon, eating out of a greasy spoon to save on my dough. Oh, at my tiny flat there's just my cat a bed and a chair still i'll stick a killer i'm on a bill all over time swear. yeah she and
5: did people didn't her re- her people her. didn't realize how no. crippled she was with arthritis oh. uh, yeah. i used to walk with her up the stairs because her dressing room was way up on top and uh she would As soon as she got on the stage, you would never know that. I mean, she just gave everything she had. As soon as she came off, she turned into a crippled old lady again.
6: One Uh, night when she came on, because I followed her, she would come in, you know, they make their entrance at the top. And then if you were their young person, you would make your way to them and I would follow her downstage. One night, I almost reached out to grab her because her arthritis was so bad. She was almost like, it was like... Potato with two teeths, you know, like maneuver. And I thought, oh my God, she's going to go in the pit. And I, I started to reach out to her, and she hit the bottom of the stage and and stopped. She stopped like she would, you know, yeah. that looks that she she would look all over, and then she would go, yep, I'm here. And she turn and she would go. But I got, I was scared that I almost reached out to grab her because I thought she's not going to stop. She had terrible arthritis, and you would never know it. <laughs> not
8: on have stage
7: have, no. you all no.
2: seen, have you all seen the film of Whoopi from 1930? With she- yes it's on youtube and yes. was, oh yeah yes. in the last past couple of years i just I, I i saw it for the first time and i was just flabbergasted because it was a busby berkeley early busby berkeley i yes. believe and she obviously created a lot of her own choreography and the way she moved her legs was so unique and she used some of it when she did Broadway Baby. Yes, she, she did. did. That yeah, you're right, she yes. I thought of it that she way, you're right. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, just uh, Google Ethel Shatea uh, from 1930.
5: Yeah.
6: yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: Amazing.
6: You see it you see it immediately, the, those steps that she did. Yeah, I think at that time they called those crazy legs. Because when I worked with Peter Gennaro, uh-huh. he used to do things like that. And say, these are called, yeah. this called crazy legs.
7: No,
6: no <laughs> Hers were unique, though. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so, the, some of the more difficult roles to cast were um, Weissman, because uh, Ted, do you remember the, the high note that he had to sing?
4: Uh, yeah, I don't know. It
1: was. It Kirk, was you, up, you have
4: a vocal coach here. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Beautiful girls. Yeah. And yeah. Flat. And to find someone of that age who could also act, um, w- and hit that note was mm-hmm. really hard. You mean so,
2: Roscoe, Joanna? Roscoe. Roscoe? It was, yeah, yeah, Roscoe. Was it Roscoe? It was Roscoe.
3: Roscoe.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. Weissman
2: was, yeah. Weissman was non-singing. Weissman
1: yeah. was the oh, emperor. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, Mike Mike. Um, that was yeah. Mike. He was wonderful. I mean, and it was, it was uh, such a relief. To find he, had, yeah. rather, he had a he had the little trouble with the
2: lyrics. I remember nothing respect, nothing respectable, half so injectable. <laughs>
7: <It's> <laughs>
1: not, right number. The other, difficult. Well, it was all hard, but but to find these ghosts of the Follies girls, who were hell wanted them to be six feet tall. And be able to move gracefully. So um, we didn't actually need dancers, but you know, I looked for dancers, I looked for models, because they were, you know, they ended up with high heels, six feet tall, and then those headdresses that were like two feet tall. And so they were they were these giant ghosts, and their height was important. Um so that was um. That was quite a quite a search, but uh, I think it turned out well. They were oh, they were beautiful. Mostly, sometimes I got away with a five eleven. <laughs> you know,
5: you know a, a Fifi Dorsey never quite grasped the concept of ghosts. No, she in the opening number she would come over to me and hit me on the shoulder as if to say, "How you doing?" You know, and <laughs> I, I backstage I would say, "Fifi, you don't touch me because I you can't see me." <laughs> I'm a ghost she go, oh right 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 next night she'd do it again And finally Michael came up and, and said fifi he's a ghost you can't see him and she'd go oh right 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 and then she'd do it again. she did it so many times I, I you know I tried to maneuver myself to avoid her poor thing she just I that. she didn't understand that
6: <laughs> you know those the, the showgirls uh Ursula was tall, very, very tall. But you know, her, our bodies were the same. Not nearly that tall, right? So one day when they called uh, 15, she put my costume on, my my opening costume, and I put that long beaded dress on. Well, on her, the dress fit just to the crack of her butt, right? It hung below my butt. You know, but I got the dress on, and her, my costume looked like a tutu on her. And we went down at five, and Fritz looked at us, and we were ready, and he said, all right, girls. But, and you know, and I had her headdress on, which was this huge plume, and it covered my derriere, because it was hanging out. But we went down like that, and we had the best laugh. But it was oh, funny, because she was so tall, yeah. but the torso, we were the same length. Now, that oh, funny. That's. Mm-hmm. Funny. But Fritz said, oh. all right, girls. <laughs>
2: You know, the,
5: the people in this show were absolutely wonderful with them One show associated with the show that I in any way didn't like. I think you were you were all so much it was fun. A great, I really appreciated that. We yeah, had a great time, really.
3: We did have a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: Oh. So here's a question for Joanna Merlin about casting this. So you were mentioning about the ghosts and the showgirls, but in terms of Ben and Buddy and Phyllis and Sally, what sort of direction did Hal Prince give you in terms of what kind of person to look for?
1: Well, we needed to have someone who could act, sing, and dance. And um, and Hal felt that they should be very established, if not movie stars, that that older movie stars had the kind of essential quality uh, that we were looking for in the Follies Girls. They're they you know movie stars who perhaps had not been in in A movies, you know, um, and so um, uh, everybody was kind of collaborating on throwing out names of movie stars and, you know, and women and men who could do this. And, um, uh, and we would call the agents because Hal would audition everybody. And often the agents said, well, you know, my client is not going to audition for this role, you have to offer it to them. But Hal didn't do that. Uh, And so they did, Alexis came in and Dorothy came in and Gene Nelson came in, they all auditioned. Um and uh we were very lucky, I think, to get the cast that we did because um, you know, they I I think that they were, they were kind of um the the right, they brought the right element and they were very talented. I mean, and yeah, all those, I mean, to find someone uh uh, for a sondheim musical, who can act, sing, and dance, uh, and and do those lyrics, <laughs> um, was a, a challenge. So I think I think we were all pretty happy with the original cast.
3: I, think I don't, I, don't I, think, I don't think I don't think you could do. That's why I don't think you could do the show as grandly as it was done because that whole historical tradition of the stars of the older stars. I don't think that
6: exists. I mean, it doesn't. You know,
3: they had the glamor of the old Hollywood and the old movie stars and they were amazing. They
6: were really, they were really movie stars, Mm -hmm. really. And because now I've done the show several times and we've done good productions with good people, you know. And the one time that I thought it was more like anything that it should be was at Main State Music Theater. But those people were stars there. You know how in a summer theater, certain people be get known every year and they come back every year. And I thought it worked there. But I have to tell you is all the productions that I've done, they were good productions, but I don't think there'll ever be anything to touch that, that Broadway company, everybody in it. Mm-hmm. Even the the secondary characters, all of them, you know, were just perfect. They were all just perfect. I, I was, I tell you, when I went to see it that time, I was on vacation, and I came back early, and I thought, I'm going to go see the show. I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed by it, I, I and I was, all I could think was, I'm in that show. <laughs> I'm in that show, you know? You know, and there, you know, everybody, after you're in the show about a year, you kind of grumble about things, and I was in this Lucy and Jesse number on being on the bottom I could see when people make mistakes or whatever and that's where my mind goes because that's what I do now I direct and I choreograph right but even then I was a I was a great assistant I'll say that I was a great assistant and I saw the mistake you know and I would see little things and I'd I'd go to George McMartin who was wonderful he was a wonderful stage manager and dance captain. Uh and I said didn't you see that didn't you see that and you know when I saw it from the front I said it didn't matter the whole was together, those little mm-hmm. niggly things. I learned a great lesson doing that, mm-hmm. going and seeing the show. Everybody should be able to get out of the show and see a show like that if they're in it because you, you wouldn't complain about anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Hal had the ability, I mean, over the years, I was with him for 14 years and he had the ability to conceive the healing of the whole before the show even began uh to to go into rehearsal uh he had a concept and that's what made his work yeah. so extraordinary i think yeah. he had a vision yeah. of what it needed yeah. to be and um and i think that that's kind of what you're talking yeah. about yes. is that is that is that vision that yeah. and I, I think
3: now it's gotten so corporate Broadway's gotten so corporate and so many people have input and and it was hal yeah. who had the concept and saw it out to the end and Hal and Michael and you know that the the people yeah. who it was amazing
4: i also like always pointing i like pointing out to people that that the the major creators uh, who we now all think of as all of them giants hadn't quite established the position that they got to so they were hungry hal <laughs> it wasn't quite you know, admired as a director yet, Mm -hmm. Steve Sondheim company, yes, but, you know, everybody and Michael, you know, wanted to direct so so I I think we were all the beneficiaries of their artistic hunger Mm -hmm. to do it beyond what they thought they could. And that's what I think just
3: absolutely true. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: One, one person that we haven't talked as much about yet is John McMartin and off that I do want to show you all this poster here and ask you about this because not only is it not the David Byrd logo we all know but as you can see we don't see John McMartin's name on this, we only see the name three. So does anyone want to talk about this.
4: Well, this is a flyer that was in the colonial theater I I, I grabbed I think three or four of these oh I've, I've given them to people over the years i mean i, I didn't
6: one. get one <laughs> <laughs> like,
4: okay. yeah but it, but yeah no i mean obviously i would imagine susan would know this better than i but you know they needed a flyer and uh, you know and also f- frankly it's only one color black and white in one color and you know that with all due respect to the fabulous poster there are many 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 colors in that david bird thing and if you're going to do a flyer to to Remember this? Write out for mail in for tickets and cut out the bottom. So yeah, that's from the colonial, and, and yeah, you know, I still have at least one. Well, maybe. Wonder what, John, I wonder what John
6: thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, did you John. ever
5: get feedback from John about that? No, that I think he was
4: left I, out. I think he was left out because he wasn't cast yet when they did it. Because yeah. I actually do have. I have oh. a the the David Bird logo. Um, Ad in a Boston paper that has John Cypher's name in the ad. Wow. So obviously, John Cypher leaving and John coming in was all, I don't, Joanna will probably remember the, you know, but it was very close to the beginning of rehearsal.
2: Yeah, yeah. John McMartin, who I loved, um, two things. First of all, I had the opportunity two years ago to, to uh, purchase uh, John's jacket from Follies. So Aww. I have
7: I'm in Aww. my closet.
2: I'm going to Mm -hmm. wait for a special occasion to wear John's jacket. I loved him. And I had, I, uh, I sat with Hal one afternoon. I had a fortune to just spend an hour with him uh, not too long before he passed. And, and he said that John, John was, John's performance was the best performance he'd ever seen in a musical. Oh, wow. wow, And he loved it. He said, partially it's because I identified with his character, but beyond that, uh, he, he he brought what I thought was real, was the reality of acting and the and the, the depth that that musical theater can go to uh, in his performance. And uh, so that, that's very special because Hal's seen a lot of terrific people up here yeah. on
11: the stage. <laughs> <laughs> you take one road, you try one door, there isn't time for any more. One's life consists of either or, one has regrets, which one forgets, and as the years go on the road you didn't take hardly comes to mind, does it? The door you didn't try, where could it have led? The choice you didn't make never was defined, was it? dreams
1: you didn't dare are dead were they ever there who said i don't remember
11: i don't remember at
1: all and they were also friends i mean yes he became yeah. a friend of john mcmartin and then of course used him in other productions as well and um he was he actually played my husband in another broadway play oh, boy. and so i got to know him quite well yeah. um and he, he was he was an actor who was very modest mm-hmm. and and somewhat shy actually yes socially. yes um, but he was a very complicated and, and yeah. interesting person and I think just a, a brilliant actor mm-hmm.
6: um, I um, when I would rehearse like the mirror number sometimes Michael would send me with John or he would send me with Alexis I would also rehearse third dance sections. I always tell everybody I was a little assistant on the totem pole because I got to do that, that kind of cleanup work, right? And John was so nervous about doing the live, laugh, and love, right? And so I said to him, this is what I'll do when I turn up stage. We made a wedge. You know, we circled around him. He was fine, most of it, but he had trouble coming in the <laughs> and success as well, success, right? And I would go five, six, seven, suck. And he would go, success. I would throw it over my shoulder because I was on his right, okay? So um, it then helped him. Sometimes he got off. One time he got so nervous, he said, I said, suck. He said, success as well. And then I spent the whole number counting for him, you know? And um, years later, I did the taps backstage. They honored Michael Bennett, Larry Kurt, and um, um, I just talked about him before. Our, our production stage manager, Fritz Holt it's at uh, Lincoln Center. So, and I did the taps for side by side, right? And I saw Mr. Sondheim and, and Hal come towards me. We were on our break and I hadn't seen him for a very long time. And I said, hi, do you remember me? And, and uh, Hal said, of course I do. You used to throw John the sock. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, I did. <laughs> How are you? So, you know, people remember this stuff and and but he was i love john he was so sweet oh. and he just was very
4: concerned he was always very focused you know and nobody nobody went up on his on his lines with yeah. more terror no but, i mean <laughs> i've seen many a production and it always looks like an actor trying to act like yes. a, a character who isn't remembering that john you just thought oh my god he's falling apart
6: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he did it he was perfect
3: In too many mornings, we had a we had a. First of all, I thought he was one of the funniest people I ever know, and he he had these incredible (laughs) stories of Uh, his life before acting and stuff. He was a riot, but um, in too many mornings, the 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 running part underneath a place where he had to come in, he would get kind of lost in it. It, He didn't have the downbeat, and so uh, Steve told me to squeeze him when on his entrance. And but I would squeeze him and sometimes he would come right in. So I'd squeeze it in. Or sometimes <laughs> I'd squeeze it. So then I'd then I'd squeeze and go. Ah, so he'd take a breath yeah. to get him in a yeah. right place. It was a it was crazy. Crazy time. He, he, but he was he was such a terrific guy. He was just such a wonderful He man. was a really Very nice, nice guy. A nice yeah. man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um, Ted, didn't didn't Yvonne keep Forgetting the words of "I'm still here,"
4: of course, no. of course, <laughs> she'd, sort of, she'd sort of get them, kind of. And I remember at the, at the beginning there were references like Amos and Andy. She didn't know, so she would sing Amos and Randy. <laughs> like, well, no, no, that's you know,
8: that a version.
4: <laughs> Yvonne, God love her.
6: Oh, I loved her. I I, you know, I told this story before we started, but I'm going to tell it again. When I was rehearsing the mirror number, we I. I was because I was still young. I was we rehearsed the women like they, it was the girls, you know, and they they would get tired and we had 45 minutes left. And I said, I gave them a break and I said, OK, like come on, let's just do one more time. I was a real cheerleader. Right. And Yvonne looked at me and said, I don't think so. And so I said, <laughs> OK, let's go. Let's go home. And I went and got I said, I think they've had it. So they dismissed the ladies that day. But but she she told you what she thought right there. It was just no, I don't think so. And she wasn't being nasty or anything. She just They had had it. I had overreversed them.
4: But again, I think you you and Michael and were so brilliant. I don't think the leading ladies all really understood they were going to be the backup to Mary McCarty in that number. No. And it's funny because every subsequent production I've seen, there's usually one of those ladies who's not in the mirror number. Mm-hmm. The feeling that they said, I'll do the show, but I'm not dancing. I'm, doing I'm that not number.
9: doing that number. <laughs> Nightly, daily, always See her everywhere I go. Oh, who's that woman I know? I know
10: that woman so clever, but ever so sad.
9: Love, she said, was a fad. The kind of love that she couldn't make fun of She'd have none of Ooh, that woman, that cheery, weary woman Who's dressing for yet one more spree Each day I see her pass In my looking glass Lord, Lord, Lord That woman is me
2: Oh, so my
7: god. oh my God! Like, oh. that was a
6: wonderful number that was just oh. wonderful yeah it looks so beautiful
3: from the i never saw it from
6: well, i got to see it once <laughs> i got i to. got a vacation with follies and i went i thought i'll go back and look at it and i was so overwhelmed about how beautiful it was yeah i knew it was good but i i i was so teared up you know everything that i looked at i just said oh, oh my god that's really Brilliant. Was yeah, brilliant.
2: I'm rereading this wonderful book that someone wrote. And on every other, <laughs> every other page, they're going back to rehearse the mirror number.
6: <laughs> every day.
2: It started in prehistoric times. So it <laughs> continues to the present. They're still rehearsing it.
6: Yeah. We're still rehearsing it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I did every day, just, you know. Michael would send me in the other room with the ladies. Right. And then as, as things progressed, the girls would come, you know.
5: I just remember facing a wall in the basement.
6: Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> With that mic between our feet. Yes. you remember that? The first time I, do. That I did that, when I went to do that first, because I did the solo tap, the first time I went to do step touch, I went, oh, my God, is this right? Because it was like an echo in there, you know. And there were yeah. just the five of us. You, right. Steve, Workvar, Kenny Urmston, Roy. And me, right?
5: Yeah, right.
6: And and we were like squeezed on this little tap board. You would think that it would be this big space, (laughs) this big Broadway show, right? And um, when I started it, I thought, oh my God, is this right? That's just how it felt, you know? I never saw saw any of
5: that film footage before.
6: I know me either. Yeah, Yeah. that's
4: amazing.
5: I never knew anyone ever took any film
6: me either yeah that
3: that glittering oh you know when the first start to see the mirrors in the back
6: I had one one time I did the show um and the star one of the backup star ladies I realized that if I put her instead on the end put her on the inside so I only had one chance because you know it was one of those situations it was in Detroit Michigan I I ran up I had told her before the show, I said, instead of going on the end, just go to the next part and -and so-and-so is going to go on your other side. Because what I figured out was that if she could follow somebody, she would remember the step because going to the right, she could follow somebody When, when she was on the end and turned around to come back, there was nobody to follow. So I said, just go there. And Judy, I think her name was, was going to go on your other side. Okay. She didn't do that. The guys in the pit laughed. I ran up, I jumped over the pit and I grabbed her and I moved her over because I knew that was the last time I was going to be able to have her see where she was supposed to go. And then she was okay after that. But those ladies didn't realize. And she told me, she said, you know, I, I would, because she taped me on a VHS. She said, you're the last thing I see in the at night before I go to bed and the first thing I see in the morning. Mm-hmm. She would go through that mirror number and she still had trouble with it. But
3: it was a tough number. It was a long
6: number. It was tough. For them, it was tough you know, for them, you know. This occurred here. I have another appointment, so I'm going to
2: have to leave, my dear friends. Uh-huh. So
6: wonderful
2: day,
7: you so you. So after half
2: this time, I just can't have to. I just can't express my uh, gratitude enough, uh, Charles, for you for doing this, uh-huh. and to to my friends and colleagues who were so much a part of, of, of what happened. It is uh, it is so special uh, yeah. to me as a the memory, and uh, just love you all, and I wish you all good health. Love and, you,
1: too. Oh, thank thank you. you, you, too. Thank you. Thank you, Kurt. You. you made a great contribution to the show. <coughs> thank you. Really yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank, you. you all. thank you.
2: Hope thank to you. see you again soon. You.
0: Yes. Bye. 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 So, I would love to show this little clip of Live Laugh Love because I want to ask you all after this about that moment where the breakdown happens and
11: when the winds are blowing, that's a time to smile is swell and success is sweet, but every height has a drop, the less achievement, the less defeat, what's the point of shoving, get a boot from shooting off cable grabs, or buzzing bells to summon the staff, some climbers get their success, success. It's with lions. success, success. success. But every stop. I this
7: but let's stop. stop! I just wanted it.
0: Just to, to ask you about that moment where the breakdown happens. What was that like to perform every night? I loved it. <laughs> yeah. It, I, thought it, it I was, thought it was
5: a lot of fun. I, we had a situation, Grazia and I, that if she was out of the show for a night, I would be out of the show for a night. or, or And vice versa. Because we couldn't take the chance of dancing with somebody who didn't know what they were doing. Uh, and I got to watch the show for the first time. And this, this whole section I found remarkable that we went through all of that, all the people involved and everybody backstage ready mm-hmm. to do their part to make this magic happen to the point where they were just sitting quietly on the stage. It was like the movie. Yeah. I appreciated the show so much more after seeing that, but being in that number, I watched it the other day, somebody sent a clip of it. And you know, I started kind of tearing up because I had forgotten about that number. I forgot that we were in it. And, and the song and everything and uh, uh, I enjoyed it because I loved stopping and looking at him like what's the matter with him and and uh, is he getting crazy and whatnot and everything that went on thereafter I thought it was a great moment in the theater.
6: It was a brilliant moment. it Because it, it was so, uh, such a cacophony but it all fit together yeah it just all fit together you know and but it it was so unusual for a dancer I mean the dancing in that particular thing wasn't so difficult it was so stylized and it was about the acting it was really not about the dancing you know so I loved that I loved that and and then it was sort of like you just blew them off once you just, well, okay, we'll just dance over you. And we just, so when we, you know what I mean? We we yeah. reacted a little bit to him and then it was sort of, okay, let's just keep going. And we piled up in the center and everybody came out and it was just crazed. The, I, I was
3: before, right before that, I was up on the catwalk stage, right. And waiting for the chaos entrance. And you, I, I could see the audience, some of the audience when he started that, when he started that yeah. when he started losing it and they you would just see people clutching yeah and going oh mm-hmm. he's like only oh, he
6: forgot it was really yeah. shocking
3: it was yeah. really fun to watch it was fun <laughs> yeah. to watch it was great so
6: you know the whole thing all of that that lucy and jesse and little after about because it wasn't a big big ensemble you felt very sort of out there by yourself sometimes even though we were all together so you, I was always very aware of like making sure I was doing the right thing or my shoulder going right. And, you know, and then when he broke up like that, it, it just blew apart. It just exploded.
0: Yeah. The story of Lucy and Jesse is there's a lot of sort of debate over which characters in the show that is supposed to be about. So I would be curious to hear either your opinion or if someone said that to you at any point, either sometime or how Prince.
6: I always just, Thought it was her psyche. She was either this or she was that, you know, what does she yeah. want to be? Yeah. You know, she's either uptown or she's down in the gutter, you know, <laughs>
4: you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I, I mean I the, the the song that was written before that uptown downtown, downtown. you know, the hyphenated Harriet, you know, she's downtown, yeah. she's as, as, as Mary Jane said, uptown yeah. she's the swell, downtown she's, yeah. you know.
7: Yeah. I mean
4: I think Lucine and Jesse was the same idea that it's yeah. both her, you know, I can tell you the story of the two uh, I can't remember the lyric is, but yeah, no, it starts yeah. D- the two different sides of her. I never quite yeah. understood what Michael Bennett didn't like about Uptown Downtown. Yeah. Uh, I don't either
6: because we wound up doing this the same music and the same choreography, and we put it to Lucy and Jesse from Uptown Downtown, and it, that was surreal for me as a dancer because we learned that pattern too. There were two different patterns in the middle. Now, if you, see, Lucy, X, yeah. you know, and we had gone. We did the one if i recall right michael didn't we learn that one day and we put it in the net that night
5: oh yeah yeah, yeah.
6: you know yeah. Now, now kids want their break you know yeah. <laughs> i was I a, little, I was to, a yes. little
5: disappointed by uh changing the music to the yeah. new one uh yeah. only because i kind of liked the old one yeah uh, I it did. was a little, oh, a little no, bit I like, I like
6: lucy jesse better i thought it, there was something a little more snappy about it I, I got to like it.
5: I, I got yeah. to like it. And I understood why they did it more. Yeah. Uh, but and when they first change, of course, when you're in a show and especially when you're out of town and they change entire numbers, yeah. <laughs> it's a little unsettling. In one day. You know? in one yeah, day. in one day. And then you have to <laughs> yeah. go perform it that night. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's kind of kind of strange. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but the numbers was, I thought the number was terrific. I mean, of course, yeah. we had our backs to the audience. I've never had my back to the audience during an entire number. Dead? So that was a little Dead? strange.
9: Yeah. We- is my belief in brief. Jesse wants to be juicy, Lucy wants to be Jesse, and Jesse, Lucy, Lucy, see Jesse is racy but hard as a rock, Lucy is lacy but dull as a swap. Jesse wants to be lacy, Lucy wants to be Jesse, that's the sorrowful crazy, it's very messy. Lucy wants to do what Jesse does. Jesse wants to be what Lucy wants.
1: I'm going to have to leave sorry oh. but thank oh. you so much this was great fun it was wonderful oh. to see everybody Oh, goodness. it's nice see to meet everybody. you, Good to see you. Well, yeah. thank I you hope you all thank get you vaccinated <laughs> i did yes, yes. I did. Good great great yes okay thank, thank you thank you. Bye. Thanks. thank you bye
6: bye bye uh,
0: so going on um i think that it is a testament to follies that some of the cut songs are almost as famous as some of the songs that remained in the show so I would love to ask about sort of when and why those songs were cut like can that boy fox trot and you were mentioning uptown downtown them
3: I remember when they were talking about can that boy fox trot after once she had said early in the song oh boy can that boy fox trot that was the that it was, was it. the payoff, and that was yeah. the, the whole show, that was the whole song, so it was just more of the same, and I think right. they came up with a much better,
7: yeah.
3: um, Yes. I think, it was kind of a one joke song, and, and you, they gave it away right away, and then it was over, you know.
4: And Steve is wrote I, this, because it was Yvonne DeCarlo who had the biggest name of anybody, Yeah. Steve wrote this whole big complicated middle section where she actually set the stage of when she was in college in <laughs> there. Oh, right, I
6: forgot. The, the,
4: the poet who's, who, you know, had a high voice and the football player who had the low voice. And, you know, and the interesting thing is, I remember when, when I was doing the book, the whole middle section was cut before we opened in Boston.
7: Yeah. So,
4: and, and the decision had been made then to replace it with something. Exactly. So, um, I, I mean, p- part of the fun that I did is I looked at all the Boston reviews that I could find to see if the press picked up on the fact that Can That Boy Foxtrot might not be the right song there, which they didn't. Um, but I just, but we knew it. We knew. It. it just, it just, it was the one joke song. And it's funny because I think Sondheim explained it it was kind of like when he would be at a party um, with Elaine Stritch and uh-huh. she'd be in her cups you know, and she'd go over to the table and said, play a song, you know, and he'd play something and she'd sing the first line and then forget the rest of the lyrics. So I think in his mind, it was kind of a, you know, late night boozy, yeah. um, you know, some yeah. some old broad doing a, you know, doing yeah. one of those numbers. And yeah. anyway, so, but yeah, no, it's in the birdcage for God's sake. I mean, it's, it's a song that doesn't yeah. go away. And then another, wasn't it also in um, a Shirley MacLaine movie, I think.
3: Wow. So. I remember they sent sent how... um. They sent Stephen to the ladies' lounge in Boston at the Colonial, and I think that's where he wrote, I'm still here. Came back <laughs> with something like 10
6: times. <laughs> I think you're right. I remember that. I,
4: remember I didn't that. know that. Was, yeah. 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 I do remember, I mean, part of the fun of, of my position is I remember him handing me the manuscript because the stage manager needed the lyrics typed out for the script. So, you know, I hand the manuscript and I go up to the, the stage manager's office on the fifth floor with an old red electric typewriter, you know, with the carbon <laughs> papers. And I'm looking at the manuscript and I'm typing these lyrics. And I, I do remember thinking... Man, these are good. I, I wonder what the music is. These are lyrics. <laughs> it's like a like an encyclopedia <laughs> of the 1930s. It's like amazing.
8: Didn't so. make up your own tune, like you know, humming as you typed.
4: No, 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 no. But I thought yeah, I mean they don't they want, believe me, I had no time. They wanted it, the stage managers wanted it and they wanted it now.
3: Oh. But, I remember I sort of remember that vaguely. I do too.
0: <laughs> and how did you all feel about the critical reception to Follies on Broadway once you got to opening night?
4: Hmm. Susan had to deal with it. it.
0: <laughs> well, as I said, boy, half the people
8: hated it and half the people loved it. It was yeah. just so. There was no in between. It was nothing in between. I mean, it was, and and people were like, you know, they weren't just sort of wishy washy about it. They were really, yeah. you know, some of them yeah. were really vicious and others were euphoric. It was. I don't think I've ever quite seen anything like that.
4: And then, of course, Frank Rich's review as an undergraduate and when we were in Boston, that he wrote the, the review for the Harvard Crimson called The Last Musical. And what was so fascinating, especially in retrospect, is he got the show nobody else. else
3: yeah
4: and it was like whoa I remember even a little bit of that's what the show is okay you know yeah, thank um, you but yeah. it, it, I, you know it, and, and he, he sometimes reached out to him you know and thanked him and basically because you know he was Sondheim was struggling with the people who didn't like the show and I think it gave him a lot of um you know energy to think that, that 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 somebody in the critical community, even if it's an undergraduate, granted at Harvard, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. that somebody would get this so that we can just soldier on and keep working on this show and you know making it better and better. I
3: remember opening night. Sorry, I'm sorry, Susan. No, go, ahead. go ahead. I just remember I remember being at opening night and being I mean at the after party, you know, the party after the show, the opening night party. And I remember when the reviews came in, and and it was really disappointing. It was
6: strange. It was really. Hal read a, them. Remember? A bummer.
3: It was a. bummer. Hal read them. Mm-hmm. It yeah, was, Hal read some yeah. Them. It was like, oh dear.
4: Yeah. Oh, funny. I I will say that when when I wrote my book, I I wanted both Hal and Steve to be okay that I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. um And then when I had a manuscript, I sent it to them and. They, each of them had a a, a notion, but Hal's notion, he went to that opening night party, and I had quoted him as saying, the last time we were here was for for Fiddler on the Roof, but this time it means more, and he said to me, "Mm." You know could we i mean because i was the director i wasn't the director of fiddler on the roof and i did i did change it i split it up a little bit but i thought he doesn't want to get the call from jerry brock and sheldon harnick <laughs> you know, but it's fine i mean i, I was you know yeah. I, there was nothing that i did that i didn't that i thought would sort of take away from the character of what i was trying to capture
8: somebody just just today i saw on facebook somebody posted walter kerr's review oh it's, yeah you know I. A long time ago and I was sort of shocking to read it again and he hated it yeah he hated, yeah. hated it and and all the things that we hold so dear and we think of it you know is so magical and I mean mm-hmm. like the moment that Loveland starts when it goes you know and you go it just happens it, it just you know it's just like uh, you kind of don't know what it is but you're just it's like you're transformed and he just hated it <laughs>
10: To lovers' ears, a lover's voice is music, a song that no one but a lover knows. Love land where
7: everybody lives
10: To lovers' lips, a lover's lips are petals, a velvet promise budding like a rose. Love land
9: where everybody lives.
5: The lover is transported by his rapture. As ever heavenward, his heart ascends. Man. man.
2: The lover's heart contains a lover's secret, which only the beloved comprehends. Oh.
4: It's funny. I'm looking at one of the articles in the New York Times today, and they have all those hot spots you can click in, and one of them was the the um, Time magazine cover story um, with the picture of Alexis, and then it said read the full read the article here. So I read it, and what was so interesting is even though clearly enough of the people at the at Time magazine were on its in its favor to you know to do it, there's a line about you know this one line you know even though some of its you know pedestrian and whatever yeah blah, blah, blah. and I said you really had to write that? Okay.
8: <laughs> you know, in those days you used to also hope that if the Daily Times critic didn't like something that the Sunday critic would like it or yeah. or that you'd get another found someplace else. And that was like ba boom you know and I remember didn't when
3: they did the when they did the Lincoln Center revival, just the concert version, um and, I, and people wrote about it. I thought, where were you, you know, back then? Because they were raving about it. And, and I remember thinking, well, well, then why the heck did you pan it back then? You know, I always that, wanted to put the reviews side by side and see what they really said. You know? <laughs>
7: <laughs> well, you know, it
6: was such a, a strange musical, I think, in comparison to yeah. everything that had been done. I think that sometimes people and, and the the premises of the people and how they fit with each other wasn't always very nice Mm -hmm. you know people don't want to deal with real life stuff yeah you know and I think some of that was in that too I I mean I'm talking now because I'm older now but at the time I didn't understand it I just Mm -hmm. I just accepted it I just thought it was brilliant you know because of the people I worked with and you were all so good and you know it was just good and but you know I don't think people want to deal with real life problems like that i mean what do you mean you wanted him and she, she went with her and it, who are, want, they don't want to see ending. they want yeah. to go to this they point. want to go there were there's all those people then that wanted to go and see something happy you know right. a happy ending and a happy this and, you know in a way it was a good ending i mean poor sally had a breakdown but the other couple were going to try to work on it you know and Mm -hmm. and sally's husband still was going to help her you know and they were going to get together i I think maybe there should be another little scene written sometime (laughs) to put it together you know because every time i've done big versions i've only done it like in houston grand opera twice i guess i did it and michigan opera theater so we had some production value because you have to have you have to have the production value. I'm sorry, you know. Yeah. And um, we always tried to kind of finish it somehow so that it was a little more upbeat, you know. And I think that was part of the problem. People don't want to deal with divorce and screwing right. around and that, I shouldn't say that. But, you know, that's what happened, you know. I think I think it was too too soon in its time. Yeah. You know, even, even company, even though it dealt with things like that, it was a little more happy,
4: right. I think. It had a more happy feel to it, you know. Also, to Marty's point about the concert, I was there at the concert in in 85, and what's really, was really interesting is, you know, beautiful girls, you know, and I think you can hear this on the recording, I mean, it was, it was, you know, Lee Remick and Carol Burnett and, you know, Phyllis Newman, and it was one, so they they shrieked every time another lady came down, that was great, you know, and then you had, you know, some numbers that were great and um, and then, then I remember feeling there was a when it got a little sort of slow in the middle there when it was you know leaning they on the, well leaning on the book songs which you know in concert were and then Mandy Patinkin first of all he started and flubbed uh, yeah and then went back and he did he did Buddy's Blues all by himself he's the first person I think who ever did that and I remember thinking good on you Mandy because now you have cemented this evening as a major event by doing this tur- twist on it Definitely. that is going to make everybody say, oh, yes, now I'm, you know, absolutely. This is, it was a great, it was a, it was a very exciting evening.
3: Yeah. yeah, it was.
11: I've got those whisper how I'm better than I think, but what do you know, blues? That why do you keep telling me I stink when I adore you feeling? That say I'm all the world to you, you're out of your mind I know there's someone else and I could kiss you behind Cause you say I'm terrific, but your taste was always rotten Be Those oh, go away, I need you Come to me, I'll kill you Darling, I'll do anything to keep you with me till you Tell me that you love me, oh, you did not to kill you
9: She says she really loves me. Another. She says birds,
11: bird. She says, I like
9: my like. And she prefers. You deal a bird. She says that anybody she says
11: would suit her more
10: than
9: I. I, I, I.
10: She says
11: that
9: I'm a washout. Washout. She
11: says, I love her so much, I could die.
3: I wish I'd have seen that. I mean, it was beautiful. Yeah, I wanted to be doing it. <laughs> right.
4: yeah. And Michael, Michael, and Hal were both there. That I remember. I. You know. Yeah. And, yeah.
3: And Michael,
4: Michael, although probably helped along by some substance, was it wasn't a very cheerful mood.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Michael wasn't. Oh. <laughs>
0: And I'd love to ask more about Michael Bennett, and I think the person to ask about that is Mary Jane Houdina, since you were his assistant. Um, well, M- Michael
6: was, um, what can I say about, it? I liked Michael, but Michael could be tough. He could be tough on you, even if he liked you. I mean, I remember the my entrance for young Hattie, to follow Hattie Walker out, young Broadway baby, he, he gave me this little step to do, and we did I think three openings did we do three before we we finally settled on the last one and so I was doing a little more dancing at the beginning of that and he I did it and I I'm a fairly good dancer I could say you know um I I finished it you know you kind of always looked at him because he was it was you wanted his approval somehow and um he he gave me one of these like this and it was like it's why didn't he just break my balloon you know I mean that's that's how I felt Um, But on the other hand, over the years, as I got older, I was able to, I never played any, well, I think you said that, Ted, I took no, I did take any punches from him. I can't remember exactly how you put that. But I did, I used to just, after a little bit of that, I would just say to him, what do you want, Michael? How do you want it? What do you want? (laughs) You know? And um, and I think he respected me for that. Um, Even... You know, I after Follies, I worked with um, Peter Gennaro for a long time and another girl and I did an act with him, Nancy Dalton, and it was wonderful. And we played at the grand finale and Michael came, you know, and it was just around the chorus line time and um, we all both auditioned and he came in. And he had a little substance going on. I think Tommy Toon was, was with him and Michael Stewart was with him. And they came in and Michael's, here's the singing and dancing. And how come I don't have you girls in my show? I said, Well, Michael, we auditioned. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, at that point I could I said anything to him, you know? Yeah. And um, and I, but you know, I knew Michael, you know, Michael and I studied with the same dance teacher in Niagara Falls, New York. And um, but he was one of the big kids. He left by the time I came in. And before I left to go to New York, he had come back for some reason um, to Buffalo for a visit, and he came up to the studio. And I just happened to be doing my solo for the recital that year, and, and I was mortified because my teacher made me dance for him, you know. So we go back a long way, and um, he he often asked me about tap steps. He would get me in the corner, you know, and, um, and I was more than happy to do that. But as the time went on, it got to a point, One time he sees me, he was re- rehearsing Chorus Line. We were doing the Millikan show. And he, again, asked me, he said, what about those, you know, would you remember any of those taps steps? I said, you know, Ma- Michael, I forgot them. You know, because he asked me too many times. And, but uh, on top of all of that, I admired what he did. And I think if he needed 10 girls that were anything like what I was, I had a job, you know, and I actually was, um, my name was given by him to different choreographers at different times and uh, to assist them. So I knew he, I think he appreciated my talent, you know, and um, the question was, what do I think of him? I liked Michael. I just think he was tough. He He was tough. He scared the pants
3: off of me. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody, when I first came to the show, somebody said to me, Whatever you do, do not cry in front of Michael Yes,
6: do you don't cry. That. The yeah. other thing is we always made sure we had makeup on and we had a nice outfit on. Yeah. You well, would he... never go and cut out, cut out stuff and no makeup yeah. and your hair flying yeah. around. You came in ready to look good.
3: To dance, I know. Which I but, think but I,
6: then, I appreciated that. This is interesting
5: I, to hear because I I, ne- I never had any kind of experience like that with Michael uh he was always nice and friendly and when we worked on the bolero and everything uh-huh. uh i i just never saw that side of him i don't think he,
3: he was dancers you you were dancers i i didn't come in as a particular particular dancer and so i used to go uh, i i learned half of the mirror number in the bathroom because well i my, my big story there is that i i um uh, Went in. I got up. I got upset. I was having trouble learning the mirror part of the mirror number, so I, you know, ran and hid in the bathroom. And I was sitting in a stall, kind of, <laughs> kind of sobbing a little bit. Oh. And someone in the stall next to me was sobbing. And we came, came out, and it was Dorothy and the two of us. Oh. Oh, so God. then, then Bobby Avian came into the ladies' room with us and to retrieve us. And then he helped us get that particular
6: step, and then come out of the bathroom. Yeah. So, he, he, was I, I, he was tough. He was tough. He was tough. He was just tough. He wanted to see what he wanted to see and he wanted to see it that way, you yeah. know, and some of that I appreciate now that I'm choreographing, you know, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And um, because that's what you want to do. You don't kind of want to go in backwards and not get what you need or what it should look like. And um, so in again, as I said, he he and I had I don't think we were friends but I think we were friendly faces you know? yeah. and um and we actually that we had one moment in time there was a party I think it was at Dick Latessa's house and he and I sat in a corner and we chatted about how that teacher affected us and just for a second I felt like it was me and him in the dance studio and he was I think he was like four years older than me so he probably was 20 and I was like 16 at the time you know what I mean that's how I felt we had that conversation so so I think I think we were we were good we were good I just he was just tough and um but I thought he was brilliant I thought he was a good director too be honest with you yeah so, uh, so I, I just felt a little love hate with him, but I do, I admired him and I respected him. And he was good to me. You know, as I said, if he needed anything, 10 dancers like I was, he would hire me, you know. That's great.
0: Yeah. And the other Michael Masita, who's here, um, I would love to ask about your relationship with your older counterpart, Vincent.
5: Yes. Oh, we got along well. I mean, they were beautiful dancers, the two of them. Yeah. And uh, I was excited about uh, being on the stage with Jane. She was also in your hit parade. And I used to watch her and Dorothy when I was a little kid.
6: Oh, me too. I used to,
5: uh, on every Saturday night, my sister and I would sit and watch all these shows while my mom and dad went out dancing. And we watched all of those shows. And so it was such a exciting thing and thrilling to be on the stage with Jane, who was my favorite dancer at that time, and uh, uh, also with, with Dorothy. And uh, we worked well together, all of us. I mean, like I say, we saw that that bit of a cut that you put in and there was a lot of them dancing. They were terrific. I mean, yeah. I don't know why the uh, we as their younger counterparts really even needed to be on the stage.
4: I brilliant. And I always felt and I always felt, I always
5: felt that uh, uh, Graziella could dance the whole number by herself, <laughs> including <laughs> the lifts. I mean she she was fierce. She yeah. could do just about anything. You, you guys and,
3: and, were brilliant, uh, absolutely yeah.
5: brilliant.
6: Oh, just beautiful. beautiful.
5: Oh. Just beautiful. You know, that number was very different when it started. Yeah, And we worked in, with Bob Avian and Michael. And Bob Avian had a lot of input into that yeah. number. And yeah. uh, we would work it and it was slow. And then it would go a little faster then it was slow. And it was very romantic and very sensual. And then when Michael said, in order to keep it in the show, we have to speed it up. That was a bit of a disappointment ah, for all was, of us. Because we was, just loved doing it the way we were originally doing it. And now the whole thing was more like a dance yeah. as opposed to this really sensual beautiful number but uh we were pleased eventually with it, it you so know and, and managed well, to work it up. you were beautiful, on, on you were beautiful. oh thanks it Thank was you. just wonderful
6: yes. i used to watch that every night i used to stand in the wing watch that that one night that you did, missed your you did? i did i used to oh watch oh my it. god
5: yeah. i was upstairs i was upstairs in the top I remember floor that. dressing room i was reading a book <laughs>
4: I, I was remember. always reading
5: between all the numbers and i sit there all of a sudden i hear the music start my in- entrance music start yep and i did my jacket on or anything i jumped up and threw that jacket on as i was running down the stage i ran right out on stage right at the end of the big entry right into her arms and we <laughs> looked at each other and she had this smile on her face like nice to see you (laughs) but i had no doubt she could she would have continued doing the entire number without me for sure you know she was she was fierce she was great yeah Yeah, that was kind of scary but (laughs) i managed to get out there
7: nice to see you
0: Can, can you, all of you ever remember anything else sort of going wrong on stage?
6: Well, the first time we did, um, Michael had this idea from Lucy, Jesse to live, laugh, love. The girls were gonna, we, for Lucy Jesse, we were all supposed to look like boys. My, um, Steve Bookvar was behind me. We had breakaway pants, the girls. He ripped my pants off, I dropped my jacket, and I grabbed a cane and I stepped out. I was the last one off and the first one back on and I could just make it. Well, one day in Boston, Michael decided that we should also wear Harlow wigs, blonde wigs. So in the, ripped the pants, dropped the jacket, lift the hat. One of the hairdressers grabbed the red wig I had on and put the white wig on me. And I had short hair, so it wasn't so bad for me. I put the hat on and I stepped out. I got down and, the other half of the line came from the other side. I was stage left, stage. I look across the stage left and there's Julie Paris with this big black curl hanging out from underneath her blonde wig. And somebody and Susan Rogers had a red curl hanging out. And it struck me so funny. It was like the rape of the Sabine women. I mean we were we were on and off so fast and Michael Bennett came back. It it was a matinee day and he puff puff with a cigarette and said, cut the wigs. Okay, thank (laughs) God. It was just a mess. It was just a mess. I remember.
3: I remember they were trying to put an uh, an intermission in, and so they had. I think it was the end of Too Many Mornings. They had Dorothy and John kissing, wasn't it? Kissing, and then, yeah. and then they, when the audience came back from intermission. The curtain went up and they were still embraced to show that no time had elapsed, except the audience laughed hysterically because it looked like they'd been kissing all through <laughs> the intermission. So it, it didn't quite work. It didn't yeah. work. That got, no, got yeah. cut.
5: I, re- I remember when uh, uh, Graziella, we went through a period of several performances, where she kept getting her heel caught in her dress and mm-hmm. she literally fell. Yeah, and she'd be on the floor, and then I'd be trying to add, reach,ing for her dance wise and everything, and she, her arms would be here and there, and she'd be dramatically posing and all the stuff because she couldn't get up heel because heel. of her dress, and then finally get up and every, it wasn't the dress; it was what was underneath all those frilly the thingamajig, yeah. yeah. And she, uh, we'd go off stage very slowly and she'd have this long piece of that tool, is it? <laughs> <Two old laughs> dragging behind her as we're walking off stage, you know, very very dramatically. But that was kind of a nightmare. That she, that happened during about three or five performances, I think, and they couldn't quite correct it. Yeah. You
7: That's know, difficult.
5: so we never knew when it was going to happen. It happened in different parts of the number each time. So, yeah. uh, but they finally fixed it. We were okay after that. But that, I think that was the biggest uh, problem that we yeah. had aside yeah. from the stage.
6: Yeah. <laughs> that stage was something else, wasn't it? Yeah.
7: I
5: think
6: <laughs> oh,
7: everybody God. was
5: going to the And we party. had to we had to end it yeah, we had to end the number dramatically right on the tip that was a little bit hanging over the uh orchestra pit. Oh. And every day every every time we do it, I'd be like, oh God, let me let me grab her and hold her and not both of us go off into the pit. Well, that was constantly a, a bit of a worry of mine. So, uh, it, it will uh, your changed
6: your whole feeling about your balance, you know. Oh, it it, did. And, um, it was really hard to, to work on that.
5: Uh, do you recall though? I don't think anybody is in spite of that stage and all those ladies having to come down all those steps. Nobody um, fell. I don't recall anyone falling I or no, no,
6: I don't no. call anybody. And also, do you remember. Do you remember closing? Well, I didn't. The show was going to go move to California. I think I left three months because they brought the the replacements in. I I didn't want to go on tour. So a a handful of us left, I think. Um, And the last night that I was in the show, I used to come down stage left spiral staircase and you and Grazi came down stage right right do you remember i never all oh, that whole time because we practiced in the warehouse on those stairs remember we practiced uh-huh. there so that when we got on the stage we were good um pete the shoe man he said to me how high you want the heel on your boot because i i had black satin boots and i at that time he made all our shoes i wasn't doing that much so i said oh he said how about three i said that's fine go ahead and I could have killed myself because then all of a sudden, Michael said, now on this, remember, because I think he did that to you too. On this count of eight, I want you here. That count of eight, I want you there. Because we actually did our own openings. It didn't happen to me for like a year and so how many months? I caught the back of that heel on one of the steps. And I I, I like lurched forward, but I my foot slammed down on the stage. And you and Grazi, I don't remember, remember this, went like this. <laughs> you know, in the slow motion. <laughs> oh. And I looked at them and went. But I was okay and I kept moving. Do you remember that? I kind of forgot. Last night, that. and I'm going to yeah. go down
5: the stairs. But I really remember is the first two weeks of rehearsal, we did that opening number, which was all in slow motion.
6: Mm-hmm. And I yes. remember
5: all of us going nuts over, oh my God, are we ever going to actually move? You know, because we'd go over it and over it and over yeah. it, you know. And, and I was used yeah. to being in shows that had big, big flashy numbers for the opening number and everything. So it was very different for me to. This show, yeah,
6: yeah. Yeah. I loved it though. I love doing it. I I, I really, stories, it's wonderful. (laughs) I love getting into that opening because you know, I really i would do Broadway Baby while I was skulking around the stage. Oh, yeah, (laughs) as I thought she, as I thought Ethel would have done it as a young woman. That's what I did.
3: We were doing mirror,
6: we were singing Mirror, Mirror. You did the mirror,
3: we were mouthing Mirror, Mirror. Um, wall. i didn't
6: remember that and it, i think i told you to the wrong thing yeah but the music i didn't think was... that you yeah the, that music that's a piece of music that was supposed to be a song wasn't it wasn't that supposed to be a song for dorothy well,
4: all I things bright and that. beautiful it was written for for sally in an earlier version yeah
6: yeah, yeah. It and like, it so became so. underscore <laughs>
4: Also, yeah, I, I just wanted to I wanted to to, to to point out that that when 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 everybody talks about the raked stage the raked stage was like four different rake levels I mean the basic yeah. thing was raked one way and then there was the, the you know and that must yeah. have been insane the top
6: one the top that diamond on the top, that top that was legal. that's was sharp yeah cuz yeah. I did the whole part first part of Loveland on that and Michael that's where you stood for uh Lucy and Jesse right yeah
5: yeah, the, yeah. and also also, for the Bolero, we came down all the right stages in the big uh, opening yeah. to get down yeah. to the bottom right stage in order yeah. to do it. So uh, I think maybe because it was all so treacherous, everybody was especially careful.
6: Careful. Lots
5: of session. <laughs> what? <What'd laughs> except you for your heel.
6: What? What you say? Except for your heel. Your high heel. You know. Oh, yeah. Opening night, too, when you talk about Dragon Tool, I, I just remembered my uh loveland dress you know there was like that ba- that bottom poof i called it and every so often there was a flower so it wasn't attached except by where the flower was when i stepped up onto that diamond drake the back of it swung and caught on the points. Huh. And you know, when I came downstage, I, I was mortified because I was afraid. I thought Michael's going to rip me a new one for this. I dragged about three three feet of tulle behind me. It ripped <laughs> off the bottom. And I went all the way down to the end. So I dragged it all the way down the stairs, down the rake, down to my downstage right. Oh God! And I, for the rest of the number, it, it laid there like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, he's going to kill me. He never said a word to me. So Either he didn't see it or he was okay.
3: <laughs> well, one of my favorite random memories. This has nothing to do with performance, but I remember Fritz Holt used to call places, please, you know, five minutes, and then we right. call places, please, places, and and, not the show wouldn't start, and then you, he came back on. He said, Ursula, would you get your ass down here, please?
7: <laughs> and right. Ursula, right.
3: who spoke German, used to speak spew German all the way down the stairs <laughs> from the
6: top to go get a place. Wasn't she but always guess, wasn't yeah. she always a little bit behind? Wasn't she always a little she was late? A, she was late, yeah. yeah she was always. always late coming down for places, yeah. but because she was in a rush. Do you to remember get when we were in Boston and everybody was because it was not we we weren't used, our skin wasn't used to having all that white makeup. All the white makeup and we had right. a meeting with Michael, and I don't remember, I, Hale must have been there, yeah. your puppy, yeah. so we we were down there in the colonial, and, and Ursula started, she says, Michael, what am I supposed to do as well, my lovers? my skin is starting to break out and all this stuff, and Michael looked at all of us and said, puff puff, he said, if you girls can't wear it, I'll get a chorus that can, and that was the end of talking about the white yeah. makeup. They did get us stuff, though, you know, Albaline yeah. and stuff to wash yeah, with did, that was yeah. gentle and all of that. Yeah. But that's what he said. Do you remember that? That was the yeah. end. Whoop.
0: Okay. So this next question to Susan Shulman especially, but also to everyone, which is one of the most sort of egregious Tony losses in history is Follies as Best Musical. So... What can you sort of remember about when this happened? And I ask this to you because were you depending on this for publicity? Were you expecting it?
8: I actually wasn't involved when I was working on this show. I was a very low level press agent. And the only reason that I got to be as involved as I was, was because the press agent I worked for, who was named Mary Bryant, who was a wonderful press agent, was very um, um, committed to Hal Prince. She had done many, many Hal Prince shows. And her loyalty was to Hal Prince. And so early in her career, she had been a young press agent in another press office. And Hal Prince had come along and scooped her up and said, come with me, my young friend, I will make you my press agent. And so Mary Bryan's loyalty was very much to Hal Prince and to whatever Hal Prince wanted. And because she was so focused on Hal Prince, I got to do stuff that normally a young press agent wouldn't have gotten to do on a show. I mean, I was much more involved with the leads at that time, but I wasn't, normally I wouldn't have been. So because, but anything to do with Hal Prince was Mary. And I actually wasn't allowed to be in the same room with Hal Prince. Why? Because... (laughs) No, there was a, she had, she wasn't mean or anything. It was because she had had this experience where he saw something in her and said, come with me, I'm going to make you a star. And she didn't want that to happen with anybody else. And not that I was the least bit of a threat to to Mary Bryant, believe me, I was, you know, a very young thing. And so I was very much in a box of what I was allowed to do and what I wasn't allowed to do. And so, when you say what was the reaction, I wasn't in the room where it happened.
3: Yeah, I I thought it was appalling because we too. won so many things. We yeah. won so many, everything, and two gentlemen of Verona is one for best musical that year. And it's like, what? You know, I know. Yeah. You look in the long run, especially where yeah. you know, who does that show anymore? You know? Yeah.
4: But one fun thing was when John Guare accepted the Tony for Two Gentlemen of Verona he said I was an investor in follies.
3: <laughs> oh, I about
4: Which is true. Yeah.
3: We won what did we win? We won best mu- in music, right? Yeah. We won like six or seven. Yeah. Tonys and then just not the big one. It was ridiculous.
5: Well, I never understood how uh, how a show or a film a movie uh, can win all of those and yet not be the best movie or or musical. Yeah. I
7: know.
5: It I seems know. odd. It's like, oh, you're braided everything but this one thing.
4: Right. I, know. I so, know. Uh, Crazy. I've spent too many years in the Tony Award room to tell you of you know, to, to, having watched time and time again yeah. The, the, yeah. the wrong things happen.
3: It's yeah. crazy.
0: And so what is it like to be in a rehearsal room with Stephen Sondheim, of course, the master, they say, and he is.
6: I thought he was a doll. I My first day of rehearsal, our, well, everybody's first day of rehearsal, I got there early. I was nervous. <laughs> I got there. I'm always a little early, but I was exceptionally early. And I went in and I... I looked around the room, at 19th Street, right? And I see the piano, and I see the chairs set up, you know, for everybody to sit. And I kind of went to the corner, I think I put my coat up. And by the time I came back, I sat down. And when I turned around, this man was sitting at the piano. And I said to him, Hello, my name's Mary Jane Houdini. And he said, Hi, I'm Stephen Sondheim. And I went, <laughs> you know, I said, well, Hi, how are you? You know, yeah. I, I just thought he was wonderful. He was very nice. I was I didn't have a lot to do with him, but he was always very um, sweet to me and like congenial. How are you? I'm good. I bumped into him on the street a couple of times. And, Hi, how are you? He always knew who I was, you know? So I, I just thought he was wonderful.
5: I liked Hal. I thought he was a, a great guy and, and yeah. interesting. And and uh, but my fondest memory of him is standing backstage before I was going to go on. And we're talking and all of a sudden he said, I'm going to raised the ticket prices to fifteen dollars. And I turned to him, I said, Hell, nobody's gonna pay fifteen dollars to go see a music. And now when I hear people paying three hundred and four hundred dollars to go see a show, I'm shocked, you know, but that's why he's the producer and I was just the performer. I thought
3: they were I thought I thought how Hal had a great sense of what he wanted and he would give you a line reading if he thought he wasn't getting what he wanted and and I, I always found Steven to be just really kind, and I, I, mm-hmm. my, I got to know him a little bit better with the uh, tribute, the Sondheim tribute, because we got to rehearse at his house and stuff, and that was really cool. So, <laughs> he's just amazing. Yeah. Well, he's, he's
4: a real man of the theater, and, and, yeah. you know, and he, he mm-hmm. likes working with actors. He likes actors. He wants his lyrics enunciated and he wants the rhythms correct and but you know any good composer lyricist will do the same but i um i remember when when encores did anyone can whistle and i was over at a you know at a rehearsal and and some somebody in the cast you know was sort of squatted down in in the front um, of the stage and, and Steve was in the house and, and, and I asked for something and he sort of trunged, you know, trundled down the, uh, the aisle and just looked up Sutton Foster, I think it was. And I just watched, here was Sutton Foster, you know, crouched down and Sondheim was looking up and they were talking about something. And I just thought, you know, he's revered now in this great way, but at the end of the day, it's like, can you help me with this moment? And he's always there to do that. I think it's, yeah. you know, he really is a man of the theater.
0: Yeah,
3: Yeah, he was. He was brilliant.
0: So tell me a little bit about the ending of each of your journeys with Follies, either your closing night or the closing night, depending on if you stayed or all of that. The,
3: The last night on Broadway was the most amazing night because the audience stood and screamed and cheered for every single number it was such it was just teary i mean i think the show ran late because it was just such a high and such a. Uh, I mean as 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 uh, susan said they either loved the show or hated it and the people who loved it came back for closing night on broadway yeah. it was just it was just stunning i mean i went home on air walking on air it was just amazing were <laughs> you there were you guys were you there um ted Closing.
4: I, wa- I wasn't I was I was working yeah, on something I, else and I couldn't I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't yeah. be there. And and of course, my, um, you know, I would like to think there's no end to my yeah. and it's funny, I, I got a, an email yesterday from a, one of the big producers in South Africa, who, ah. who who just said, I, you know, because of Folly's 50th, I picked up your book and read it again. And it's just uh. the thing that he said that I loved, he said, it, it's like it was published yesterday.
7: Yeah.
4: And I thought, for yeah. you know, for a book that's about something that happened 50 years ago um that couldn't be there couldn't be a better thing you know to say and i tried it's interesting that you know the fact that i said to to michael earlier he was on the list of people i couldn't get to the other another person i mean jean um rosenthal the the lighting designer i really wanted to talk to her because i'm not that technically savvy but i really wanted to talk to her and i tried and but i just i couldn't you know so i had to sort of try to be as clever as i could about the lighting, without really having had a you know a a, yeah. a real conversation that I would have liked, and so actually you know all of these kind of conversations, I think, oh, I could go back in and fix it. Write <laughs> some more,
6: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> About the night, the, the night that I left, because uh, I left, as I said a little earlier, because. I didn't wanna go out of town and I was able to do the Millican show. So I left, I think two months maybe earlier. And I was very touched because at the end of the, the show that night, I sat on top of the piano for the curtain call um, mm-hmm. up on that level on stage left. And i was sitting there and I I looked up and the whole cast had turned to me and they applauded to me
3: oh. and
6: which I, I always remembered that.
3: Yeah,
6: oh, no. yeah it was yeah. very touching. Well,
3: I- My last experience with Follies was Kurt and Harvey and Virginia and I were invited to Michigan Opera Theater, Michigan Theater, and we did, we played the older parts. It was sort of a, it was a concert version with, with some staging, Um, and we played the old, you know, we play, I played Dorothy's part, and, and, and we all played the older parts, and it was, it was, it was really very touching
4: found out about this I got myself there and, the, and my little folly's moment about that is I remember walking in the back of the theater and looking up on stage and realizing look who those yeah. people are Yeah,
3: really look, funny. Who's, look
4: who I'm looking I know out. I
3: always was sort of sad afterwards because they had talked about doing something with it more with it but it didn't happen but unfortunately because I, I loved it I loved doing it, it. great it's
8: idea so it
6: was so fun
3: I don't know why nobody ever thought of that you know after the show closed and
6: well you know, when we, we did the first time we did Mission Mich- uh houston grand opera it was to open the wortham center and um oh, i can't say his it, name now the producer that was there he had what they called the uh, star train and dorothy came and alexis came and who else was that? ruby keeler was there that night mm. and um harvey did uh buddy he did buddy and yeah. he i looked yeah he and I looked at each other because it was funny because I got to do it because Fritz gave Chuck Abbott my name Chuck was mm-hmm. directing it and it was kind of like coming full circle somehow for the mm-hmm. two of us you know because I know Harvey for a long time and mm-hmm. and I looked at Harvey and he looked at me and I said wow you know choreographing this." Yeah, here we are and he's mm-hmm. playing buddy buddy you know and it during that time was when Michael passed too ah. Michael Bennett and it was kind of I don't know it was kind of eerie the whole thing um but it was one and and we were saying you know you guys should be doing this someplace so we wanted to had we had fun we had fun I bet well you guys were wonderful it it is as it was said before it was a very congenial cast everybody really I don't know anybody that grumbled about anybody Except yeah. Fifi, Dorsey. <laughs> Fifi grumbled about everything and everybody.
5: Well, Fifi, so. Fifi was so was very uh, childlike. Yes. yes, you know she was very sweet, and she'd do things, and you kind of roll your eyes, but at the same time, it wasn't with malice or anything. She was no, just, it wasn't. She was like a little girl. <laughs> yeah.
8: yeah, yeah. Michael, how long did you stay in the show?
5: Um, I'm trying to remember. I how long does the show run on Broadway? A year.
7: Yeah. A, yeah. uh, a year. A little over. over a year. Yeah. It I think I July. was in it
5: for eight, I think eight or nine months, I think. I, I didn't want to go to LA either. Yeah. So, uh, But I really, to be honest, don't really recall the last performance that I did. Um, uh, then I was on, I went into something else, I think.
6: Yeah. yeah. And I,
5: I didn't get to see that performance you're talking about, but oh. I wish I had the final performance.
6: Oh, it and was just- tragic. I didn't either. I and wish I'd have seen that.
4: Kurt came back for it. Kurt had left the yeah. show and needed to do something else. Cause I know he talks about the, um, just the overwhelmingness of the reaction. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, just incredible. It was an incredible moment. Just, whew. I'll never forget it. I get goosebumps now thinking <laughs> about it.
6: Yeah. This is kind of funny um, that you might enjoy. <laughs> when I after I left the show there were two older women out and Fritz Holt called me and said Mary Jane you have to come back and do Mirror (laughs) and I wound up doing Sheila Smith's part because Sheila went in I think it was Yvonne that was out because Sheila covered her and I went into Sheila's spot and Sheila's line was I haven't danced in 30 years is that what her line was Mm -hmm. I haven't I haven't done I haven't danced in 30 years and I actually went into the costumers and they put like a wig on me and they did some makeup and um, you know put some lines and they laughed at me but they said because I was still I was still young so you know a little few lines didn't help too much so I went to Dorothy's dressing room I said Dorothy this is what I look like and I had sheila's pink outfit remember it was like a pink top and a sequin skirt or something mm-hmm. and they cut it up and because Sheila was twice as tall as like two feet taller than me so they fixed me they pinned me all into this thing and um i went to dorothy's dressing room and i opened the door i said this is what i like and she started to laugh and remember that she had an infectious laugh she laughed at mm-hmm. bet for five minutes and then i went to um Alexis's room too I said Alexis this is what I look like and she kind of giggled a little bit right and then I went on to do the number and I guess I did the two shows that day because you know they needed two women and they were only was only one woman swing Sonia Levkova right. and um and it was kind of fun because I had to do it as an older woman you know now I could do it as an older woman <laughs> <but>. <laughs>
0: So, um, Ted, I want to ask you, when did the inspiration sort of come to turn your diaries into a book, into everything was possible?
4: I kept everything so that the summer after the show, I could put it together and get course credit. Um, you know, so, but I'm, I'm a bit of a pack rack, so I, I just kept everything right. in a box. And then, then well, and then then the show started to get this aura of, uh, you know, and people would ask me, and actually... Um, I don't know if I say this in, in the book, but when Frank Rich was this, the senior drama critic of the New York, the chief drama critic of the New York Times, and I was running Rodgers and Hammerstein, a mutual friend put the two of us together because Frank was writing an article on Stephen Sondheim and Oscar Hammerstein. So we planned a lunch to, you know, and we, it, hello, hello, nice to meet you, and we sat down, and I said, listen, I just have to tell you that I was a gopher on follies, and I'll, I'll never forget when your review came in from the, from the, the, the Harvard Crimson. And he looked at me and he said, You were a gopher on follies. I said, Yes, I was. And He said, How many times did Alexa Smith cut could I leave you in Boston? And it's like suddenly, if there'd been any pretense about the August critic and the Rogers and Harris, it's like gone, gone. It was like, okay, let's compare notes about follies. Um, yeah. Which was kind of which was kind of kind of cool. Anyway, so so it was actually sort of ironically at my daughter's um, school, there was a, a party, a cast party after the uh, production, and I was talking to a fellow parent, and it was after Into the Woods. So we were talking about our kids and Sondheim, and which you know, Into the Woods you know, was liked by the kids. And, you know, and uh, to that woman, and I was, this woman is extraordinary. And I just said I, I was a gopher, and I kept a journal. And she literally looked at me, I just met her. I, and she looked at me, and she said, you were a gopher on the original production of Follies, and you kept a journal? I said, yeah, and I haven't kept a journal before or since. But she looked at me, she said, there's a book in this, and I'm sending you to my friend who's an agent.
7: Wow! And I thought
4: I thought she doesn't All know right. if I can write. Nobody knows if I can write, so I you know waited a while and called the host of the party and said, "What was that woman's name?" You know, and called her and I and and went to visit this agent. She said, "What kind of book is this?" I said, "Well, it's not a coffee table book, and I don't like journal books that say Monday it was raining and I attended the petunias and then I went to," um, and, and but I said, and she said, "Do you have photographs?" I said, "I I know where they are. They're not mine, but I you know." And so she helped me put together a proposal. And funny, the, she, the thing she said to me when it was all, you know, a sample chapter and an outline and all the things that you need if you want to writing a book. And the last thing she said to me is, Bob Gottlieb has got to buy this for Knopf. This is right up his alley. And like a week later, she called and said, done.
3: Oh,
7: and I my thought,
4: God. that's wow. never the way books.
3: Never happens.
4: Never happens. Right. And so I thought, oof. So actually, then I thought, oh, now I have to write it. So I, I, took, um, I took a few days off and um, came up here and this, I'm in my house in Connecticut. And I said to my wife, you uh, stay in New York with the dogs and the kids. I need to be alone for a few days. And because it was based on a journal that I still had, I was able to knock out about, about 100 pages in a hundred pages in a week. And that sort of at least, at least taught me that I could do it. But interestingly, I had no idea how I was gonna begin it and no idea how I was gonna end it. But I didn't it didn't matter. I just kept there was enough to go to dive in and and um, and some it was the I mean, there was enough Internet in those days that, that I could do a little bit of research on the Internet, but it's not like it is today. Um, but for the most part, I just you know dove in and then reached out to everybody that I could, because I thought I really, you know, I don't have I, 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 an axe to grind here. I'm just I, I have a story I want to tell. Um, and then I thought to myself, you know, the Follies Mavens will buy anything. That's great. But I really would like to do a book that can explain how a musical is put together and specifically at that time. So, um, and it was funny when I got to what the scripts were like in those days, studio duplicating, they were all the same. But I thought to myself, you know what? Nobody Charles's age or slightly older is going to have a clue what we're talking about. The Hal Prince office had one machine that you fed in a piece of plastic, you put a page in and you fed it into this machine and it took about 20 seconds for it to go through and come out as a copy. And that was by the Xerox company. But my purpose is that that was useless, you know, because they, they wanted it right away. So the, I would type away in carbon paper and stuff like that. But, but I thought to myself, I need to explain what a mimeograph machine was, how when you did those scripts, that place on 43rd Street or whatever it was, Oh my and gosh. every yeah, page right. was a different, you know, a mimeograph right. and those weird sort of plasticky leather covers and the two little screws. Right. So I'm <laughs> right. thinking I've got to describe what this era is as much yeah. as I can.
3: That's
7: amazing. Yeah. That was amazing. I,
4: the, I have to say, I sent the manuscript to everybody that I could think of, because, you know, including Hal and Steve, um, and, uh, and Bobby Avian was brilliant, because I, he just, he was great. And you just, just, you know, that's not actually, no, you didn't describe this right. Um, you know, and uh, it was great. Florence Klotz, oh. I, think, I think I quote in the book, she said that when she was given the assignment, she was scared shipless. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, but but I wanted I wanted to get to as many people as I possibly yeah. could because I just thought if I'm gonna do it, I want it as honest as I can possibly make it.
0: Sure. And what would you say was the either the most interesting interview you had or the most interesting thing you learned or found out about from an interview? Um
4: well, the one thing, because I would had this odd career that never existed of running Rogers and Hammerstein for the last 30 years, what I found as I was going diving back into it, time and time again, I would think, oh, that's where I learned that lesson. That's where I saw that. That's where I learned that about collaboration, which I hadn't realized. Um, so it was like, like one thing after another, and um, anyway, so so generally speaking, you know, I had those little moments all, all the way along. And the thing, you know, another thing, um, James Goldman's widow is a is a is a tough customer, and the first thing she, she said to me when I met her was, um, I told her I was writing the book. I was meeting her about something else, and she said, "You will get no cooperation from me." Whoa.
0: and I thought, "Woo,"
4: but then I thought yeah. I made a decision, and it was the right one. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to write it. The way I want to write it.
7: Mm.
4: And then I'm going to give it to her and say, you know, it's give talented. me your notes. Yeah. And yeah. and it was and she was fine. She was fine. She had a couple of things she had, but she 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 gave me a lot more cooperation than I thought she was going oh, to. That's good. That's
6: good. <laughs> well that and, kind of, the way she said that was like shutting the door. Just yeah, like, it was. Well, it, the door
4: was shut pretty pretty for The other thing was finding the photographs. Because yeah. I you know, I knew I knew that. Um, Bill Yaskari, who was a, a photographer, who was also the house property man at the Alvin Theater. Now Neil Simon. Yes. Salvin. Yes. I knew he had taken p- pictures for Look magazine, including the, mm. the the photograph of the showgirls on the staircase mm-hmm. at the Colonial, and he had left the the theater. But I tracked him down, and I, I, he called me and said, "Where's your office?" I'd written him a note. I'm thinking, about it. I know it's 30 years ago, and. Uh, and he said, where, where, where is your office? He came in with a box under his arm and he handed me the box. Oh my God. And it was contact sheets, oh. all the contact sheets of all the photographs he took, and then pages and pages of, you know, like binder pages with colored slides. Oh
6: my goodness. And I was like, Oh, oh. you know. You do have these?
4: Oh, I gave him back because that me the the point was I just went through and said I wanted license this. I, wanted... I
6: don't have one good picture.
4: Well, I, I, um, I think I mean, you know, somebody I get I'll, happy to give you the name of his um, survivor. I don't know that they were ever married, but uh, you know, yeah. who, um, she's a wonderful woman who works in the Air public library. But he was he was great, and and the, what I loved about his photographs is you know they are not Steichen like photographs. But, they show the process.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's one of, is it you, Marty's uh, trying on a costume in a hotel at, room? At yes. No, yeah.
3: at the terrace. Yeah, I'm yeah,
4: sure. yeah. So there's, yeah. That, there's a one of the pictures I love is Hal sitting in the theater like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, And it, another one that I have a great fondness for is all of you on stage, Hal is actually looking at the back of the auditorium and you see it's after a performance, probably a two-show day in Boston. Yeah. And it's getting, come staying. on, Everybody come out on stage, you can tell you what tomorrow's gonna be, and you nice. can see everybody is drained.
6: Wiped out, yeah. <laughs>
4: just like So yeah. that, so I'm I'm I just kept thinking. I'm sitting next to Michael. i next
6: to Michael in that. Yeah, yeah. Michael Messina I sit next to each other. I remember other. that.
4: Right, yeah. right. Wow. So I remember so, that. You know, and, and, I, and I, I found them, there are some, there's actually one, what, the best color photograph of the young'uns in the Follies with your orange and blue costumes. Uh-huh. Um, I could never find a cop I could never track down the original of that, of that photograph yeah. so that's a scan what's in the book is a- I got the permission to do it and all that stuff but nobody could ever provide me with a yeah. photograph oh. but, but I'm proud I love the photographs that are in the book I think they're I they're there's as important as this as the storytelling it's yeah.
7: Yeah, true,
0: true. so was- I would love to sort of wrap this up by asking you all one concluding question which is what do you think that the power of Follies is that it so affects every audience who sees it and everyone throughout the generations?
6: Hey, that's a tough question. That's a toughie, yeah. yeah. Well, it. again, for me, I think the show is, being in it, it was a real Broadway musical, but then it was with Sondheim music, you know, and it was had a real style that I think is impressive if it's done right it's so impressive, it's not like anything else that was done, you know, and the set, the set itself was, it was just, it was brilliant, I mean, it was, you walked in, you thought you were in a theater that was falling down, you know, yeah, and um, I think it's just, monumental and I think if you like the theater you come in and you you know something important's going to happen it's you see something's gonna something's gonna happen I always felt something important was going to happen that's how I felt you know but I think if you're in the theater and you love it you look and you go oh my god isn't this beautiful isn't it brilliant isn't it it's exciting it's it's all those things you know and then and it goes from there so um I just think it's it's unlike anything else. And
4: that's why people are drawn to it. Yeah, I think, I, I just, I, I would say that I, I think to Mary, to Mary Jane's point, it's so theatrical. I mean, for a story about people that are basically in trouble, which is where the the problems that the right. people have with the show are. But uh-huh. it, it is imbued with such a love of what the theater can do. Yes. So, so And that's what I think the original production, I, I must say, did better than any production done (laughs) Um, and also then then the real life things that are going on with these characters the idea of the present the past how they're in conflict and what is the future going to be i think it actually touches on some universals that are surprising to people because they don't expect them
7: yeah
3: yeah i thought it, it, it had a magical there was something magical about magical. it that i'm not sure will ever be totally recaptured um between the old the past and the present and the uh, you know the ghosts of your past and the and the presence of your present and i i, I think it, it was just it was a magical show it was, i didn't magical actress- yeah, like i think at the time but that i don't, i i I, did, I mean i just thought every show would be like that you know
6: well, you would want every show to be like that. Yeah.
3: I
5: think aside aside from the uh, fantastic performances and everything, I think the show was just visually stunning. Yes. yeah. I think that alone Absolutely. was just, it was so uh, almost like over the top fantastic. And I'm always hearing from people who say they, they were just a kid when they saw it, and they saw it six or seven times. And I write back and I go, six or seven times
6: you went to see the show?
5: but a lot yeah. of people say it changed their life i'm not sure what they meant by that but yeah. i hear that all the time yeah
6: i got him um, when i worked in philadelphia i i often work at the walnut street and <laughs> he's the uh the business manager there and he said his i think he said it was his aunt that took him he said you know i saw you when i was 7 i said thanks he, he, he <laughs> and he just <laughs> loves the oh, theater so. he, he went to see the show when he was 7 years old and he when he knew that I was in it, it changed our whole relationship, you know, before that we were friendly, but he was a little, little curt all the time. Once he knew I was in Follies, a man, he, he redid the, um, when they redid the, uh, um, the music on the, from the record to the CD and stuff. And they, then they redid that. He gave me a copy of that. And it's like, he's just was a different person with me. Yeah. Yeah, It was never bad to me, but all of a sudden it was much friendlier. And he told me, he said, I saw you when I was seven. (laughs) I said, thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much.
8: (laughs) I think the other thing about Follies, and I mean, it was, as everyone said, it was magical and it it moved you. But the key to any show is that you want to go on the journey with those people. Yeah. That you want to find out what happens to them. You want to go on the journey. The story. From the minute it started. You thought, who are these people? What are they, you know, like, what, what, what? And you wanted to find out. And there's something about that that just drew you in in a way that uh, some other shows don't or they don't immediately do that. So, I mean, that's part of it, I think. Mm
3: -hmm. That was the magic of the book, too. We didn't talk too much about James Goldman's work, but but, um, that's the magic of the book, the story, because it was people and reality and fantasy. And I don't know. I thought it was brilliant
6: yeah so, yeah it was an important time
0: yeah well thank you all so much this has been really really amazing for me to be able you to were, do one. thank you all for agreeing you.
6: wonderful and i thank you for asking us yes yeah. thank you charles
5: thank you for putting thank this all you. together
0: to see you. Oh, yeah. nice seeing right. you hi this is charles kirsch again and i want to say thank you thank you for watching and i hope you've enjoyed tonight as much as i have thank you for celebrating 50 years along with us we so appreciate it and before you go we'll take a moment to honor the cast and crew of follies that have sadly passed away since the show's inception
11: been waiting for, nature never fashioned a flower so fair, no rose can compare, nothing respectable, so delectable, cheer them in their glory, diamonds and that dazzling jewels by Can be beauty sells to the best. You'll agree, all for.
0: We hope you have a great night and that you all echo Didi's sentiment at the conclusion of the show. You know what? We should do this every year.